fans to the Week in Horror podcast, the only podcast that's the warmest place to hide. This week, we're covering select horror films released February 14th through February 20th. Thank you all so much for joining us. I'm Alex, and as always, with me today are J.O. and Eugene. Hey, hey everyone. <laughs> Where is he? Are you muted? Is Eugene muted? No, I'm not muted. say hello? That's it. Oh, okay. That's it. <laughs> Oh, I didn't hear you. My bad. Listen, this was supposed to go smooth tonight, guys. You're already fucking it up. <laughs> well, that lasted ten seconds. Oh yes, yes, and big thank, big thank you to uh, to Johnny Johnny O in the back who is who's helping us to stream this. So thank you, sir. Well, we do appreciate it. Oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Huh. so a few things. Uh, wow, uh, let's take a look. Um, <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we've got some fantastic, uh, some fantastic people in the live chat. Let's take a look. Jessica G is with us as always, our stream queen. Can't wait to uh, see what she brings to the theater next. Nana, the man, has arrived. One of our uh, both um, excellent, you know, uh, patrons. Um, let's see, Jinju, excellent to see you again. Basic trigonometry, always good to see you. Sexiest name on the internet. Sir Chasm has arrived, and Sir Chasm, we got that note. Uh, we were aware of the buzzing that occurs. Um, we're still trying to sort that out, which is why Johnny is helping us out with the uh, stream. Let's see, Mandevil, good to see you, sir. I hope you got my email. Uh, we need to get uh, something sorted out uh, with your address so we can get your uh, prize to you. And uh, Chris Dura Music Channel, good to see you. Tina Jones, always a pleasure. Oh, man, Jessica G is tearing <laughs> up the chat. Oh, you mean shit. she does what she does best? Great stuff. Oh, there's a bunch of yeah. She does what she does best. There's a bunch of stuff in there about you know me and ghosts and spirit boxes and you know I just need to unplug the USB cord from the tablet and put it into the Ouija board. Thank you, Man <laughs> Devil. Uh, but just great stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and the George said and Charlie Welch. Good to see you both. Uh, we do have an excellent, excellent lineup for you guys tonight. Uh, Sir Little Wolf, uh, good to see you. And I think we uh, before we jump into the movie, uh, jump into the movies that we've selected tonight, uh, which I see everybody has seen in the description. Um, we got some good ones lined up, but man, the, a couple things that happened uh, this week uh, and are going to happen. But first, I wanted uh, we lost a legend, uh, Christopher Plummer, recently passed away, which is such a shame because damn, he was good in like everything he it, did. Like it sucks. It's one of those like it's bound to happen, and you know, the actors get old and eventually they pass away. But it just sucks every time it does happen. Yeah. And uh, I was, uh, I was, yeah, I immediately I heard about that, and I went home and I had to watch Dolores Claiborne. Um, he played the, uh, hey Kevin Paul, good to see you. Um, I, he played the detective in that that was trying to that would had like the the decades long vendetta against um, against Dolores against Kathy Bates as Dolores, but one of the greatest Stephen King adaptations ever made. Uh, Kathy Bates just magnificent, and everybody was fantastic. David Strathairn, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, and of course uh, Christopher Plummer. Um, but man, I just remembered that it was just like, God, he was so good. And of course he was in Dracula 2000. He didn't, I mean, his filmography is long. One of the greatest testaments. And I wanted to, I wanted you know, people to remember this. One of the coolest things I've ever seen an actor do is that, um, all the money in the world. Okay. Ridley Scott film. And originally Kevin Spacey was in the role of the patriarch of the family. So the movie is finished. The movie is in the can weeks before I'd say uh, th- almost a month before uh, distrib- before shipping out. And then, of course, all of the shit went down with Kevin Spacey. 
So Ridley Scott pulled all the Kevin Spacey footage from the movie and then reshot everything with Christopher Plummer. So Christopher Plummer shot Kevin Spacey's entire role within like a month's time. And it oh, was yeah. like, and it was pitch perfect. That was the level of talent. You know what? The, the last movie I saw him in was Knives Out where, you know. Yes. 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 Was, uh, I, I remember seeing a commercial for it and then I saw it uh, at the Red Box and I was like, I feel like I wanted to watch that. And it was because he was in it. And then I did watch it and I was like, all right, okay. <laughs> that was a good movie. And then uh, unfortunately, yeah, passed away not too long after that. I'm glad that he got to pump one more good one out there. I heard his, uh, there's a video out there of like, I think his last performance, like his final performance was actually theater and he was, uh, he was on stage and he was just amazing. Like he it capped his entire career with one of the most stellar performances uh, he'd ever given. And I, I, I wish he, I wish I'd gotten to see him on, uh, get, see him on stage because seeing known actors like that, when they're doing, you obviously see him in movies and you're kind of, Oh, I can, I can, you know, you get this kind of sense of it, but when you see him live, you know, especially in the theatrical production, it it just will just take your breath away. The level of talent of many of these individuals, um, so very very cool. But yeah, we lost a lost a major legend there. Uh, so rest in peace, you know, Christopher Plummer. Uh, he's got a massive filmography that I could across all genres. So I highly recommend checking him out um, if you haven't seen any of his films lately. But uh, also, Eugene's got yeah, some so news, which I, I think is pretty actually, cool. I was actually – I'm doing an interview on the Sherry Bronson uh, TV show. And so she is a TV producer out here in Dallas, and she is recently signed a deal. So she's going to be on Amazon, Roku, Apple Plus TV, and she's actually interviewing local filmmakers. Uh, she ended up contacting me. We chatted for a little bit and everything. We're recording it this Saturday, but I believe it'll actually debut in March because I think that's when her channel is starting up. But yeah, so if you have Roku, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, anything like that, it's going to be her second channel. Uh, definitely, I'm going to be on there. Uh, some other great I do know that I'm friends with will be on there too. So definitely come check it out because I'm talking about my upcoming project, Brother Bones. I want to be talking about the Weekend Horror Podcast and just a bunch of other great stuff. So definitely check out uh, Sherry Bronson. Can you spell that for me? Is it S H E R R Y or S H E R Y or I? Uh, I believe it's S H E R R Y. Bronson? I will actually double check real quick. And uh, is there a is there a link? Oh yeah, no, you're right. Sherry Bronson show. Um, I will actually I will post a link once it becomes available in March, so that way everybody will be able to check out the interview. You know what? We can link to her website, SherryBronson.com. Let's do that, and I will put that link in the uh, in the live chat so people can check that. That that is where your interview will be that's badass man that's that's so freaking cool uh getting getting tapped to do it uh, man, freaking hey, oh yeah it's sweet. Sweet. it is TV. what are y'all doing <laughs> nothing <laughs> oh shit oh charlie welch i uh don't know uh, i'm not seeing any lags we appear to be looking good um obs is strong our signal is good so as far as I can tell, everybody's coming in clear. Uh, let us know if there's any issues. Um, let me see here. Also, uh, something that we wanted to ask the chat before we get started. Um, so we do the bloodbath debates. And anybody who listens to us on Anchor or any of the other uh, uh, podcast sites, of which we just added a bunch. So we were on like 
I think 10. Oh no, we were on like nine uh, podcast sites. Now we are on um, 18. So we're on 18 different podcast sites. So you can find us anywhere and everywhere. If you uh, listen to us then, if you listen to us there, you can hear our bloodbath debates. Our bloodbath debates go up at the top of every month. Um, I hope that you guys are enjoying them so far. But I just wanted to uh, cure. I just wanted to be curious. Uh, Basically, Trigometer says I am in 180p. I'm, so apparently, I, 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 I do so look do a little I'm looking at the funky right on the. We're all kind of. The only person is Eugene. The roles have been reversed. <laughs> That's wild because I because I have a 1080p camera. So uh, anyway, so we wanted to ask uh, the the chat. We wanted to ask the chat um, if you guys have any ideas. Uh, apparently, there's no lag. Uh, Tina Jones says there's no lag, but I am a little pixelated. Um, but uh, we were. Brutus P thirty eight. What's up? And uh, we want to know if you guys had any bloodbath debates that you would like to see us do. Now we have a list of them we've been doing, but we what we were looking for other if there's anything special that you guys would like to see us. You know, any icons you'd like to see us fight. Um, the next one coming up is going to be the the tall man from Phantasm versus Slender Man, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is going to be a good one. We're going to be actually recording that later tonight. Um, but yeah, if there's any bloodbaths, bloodbath de- debates you would like us to do, then throw them in the comments below or hit us up weekendhorror@gmail.com. We would love to get your recommendations and see if uh, and we can put those together. We'd like to get this on the schedule, or even better, if there's a rematch you'd like to see, you know, like uh, Freddy versus uh, the Jin or Jason Michael versus Myers, that was first one, uh, right? Michael Myers, or yeah. maybe a. That was our very uh, Jason versus Man, Michael. Should, yeah, the battle of the do that one when we're not both like fucking shaking because we're so new at this. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Little Wolf wants Sir Little oh Wolf wants killbots versus <laughs> deadly versus deadly friend. <laughs> That's amazing, and I know it's. I know you called it chopping mall. But I refuse no. to call it chopping mall. No, that I love the title chopping mall. I love it. <laughs> We should probably just let the live chat decide before the end of the show tonight. <laughs> I've tried. I apologize. So we should let the I live totally chat decide before the end of I the like show what our, our, our next one is going to be. Godzilla versus Chucky. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloodbath. Jail versus Alex. Let's do it. I pick Godzilla. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, that's that is All right, hilarious. Hold on, Jessica, are you talking so, about like, uh, a full blown like PvP, me, JL, and Eugene, or are we like debating against each other? Because, or just like who, who you can only who. see one side of the camera. I've got a wall filled with like chainsaws and all sorts of crazy shit over here. <laughs> Celebrity deathmatch. Alex gets to use his parrot. <laughs> Listen, listen, the parrot would kill all of us and fucking. It's, that is so up. weird. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not going against a parrot. Ooh. Huh. Oh, you know what? what? My wife is, uh, Angela's streaming in the other room. Angela. I wonder if that's it. <laughs> I wonder if that's it. Uh, I like this one Brutus B38, Dr. Giggles versus the dentist. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. That's a, okay. We're writing that one down, Brutus. Thank you very much. 
uh, JL. Oh, this is true. Uh, um, sorry, uh, I get to summon the power of ghosts, so I win. Apparently, in the in the, in the in the three way battle between us, I've been seeing them my whole life. <laughs> totally take on a ghost. You, oh, oh, wait, Alex's parrot. Jessica G says Alex's parrot Dude. does count as an on hand weapon. Uh, Jessica G says uh, Eugene gets those two guns he calls arms. And I get the I get to summon the power of ghosts. So <laughs> we all have our special abilities. Charlie Welch wants Sophia from the Golden Girls versus the Where's the Beef Lady. Bro, this was the best idea. <laughs> okay, okay, with okay with a special appearance with a special appearance of the Frank's Red Hot, uh, the Frank's Hot Sauce. Uh, the uh, I put that shit on everything. <laughs> Actually, Jinju, it's funny that you brought that up. We actually have a a three way that we want to do: Day of the Trip, a day, a day of the Trippets versus Little Shop of Horrors versus um, Killer Tomatoes. So it'll be like Killer Tomatoes versus Audrey Two versus the uh, versus the Trippets. Cool. That would be cool. Eugene, Godzilla versus you, demonic you toys. You show your guns on the stream. Why? Hey, <laughs> why? We hurt somebody. <laughs> Sorry about that. Too much. Too much. You'll put it. You. You'll. That's put for the weekend horror out. only fans. <laughs> That's the calendar, bro. Oh man, oh man, so, so cool. I mean, that is. I, I didn't even think. I didn't even think of Doctor Giggles versus the Devils. I feel like you've passed. That is dead. A pretty important one here. Which one? Um. Nope. I lost it. Uh, oh, Driller Killer versus Toolbox Murders. Ooh. Although I don't know if you're referring to referring to the movie or the actual toolbox killer, the toolbox murders, which were fucking brutal. So yeah, Penny Pennywise versus Killer Clowns. You know, Charlie Wells. As interesting as that, as interesting as it sounds, uh, Pennywise is a cosmic entity, and the Killer Clowns are literally just aliens. They're just aliens that eat people, uh, or they drink people. You know, out of cotton candy cocoons. But Pennywise is like a cosmic entity. So we're actually going to have Pennywise. This is actually really cool. I, I can announce this. We're actually going to do Pennywise, a Pennywise debate. Um, but we're going to do Pennywise versus Bagul. Wait, can we do Sinister. Pennywise from the original it versus Pennywise from the new it? They're both they're both essentially the same. They're they're cosmic entities from yeah. the macro mm-hmm. That's what it is. But anyway, because it's a, because it's a cosmic entity, it, uh, kind of like almost godlike, Bagul from Sinister is also like a pagan god. It's also very much a godlike spirit, and so the two of them are very much the same. And it's just that uh, Bagul manifests himself in the in the VHS tapes or in the beta tapes, and then uh, Pennywise manifests as like the clown or the spider here on Earth. So <laughs> the two, the, the very similar matchup. I'm I think sorry, the two of them Jessica, she, would be really Trump good. Trump versus Biden. Yo, we did that already, and it almost caused as much damage emotionally and physically as Batman <laughs> versus Superman, okay? We tried that. It didn't work out. Nobody won. <laughs> Trump, Trump, I, I like, I, no, I like the follow-up. Trump versus prison. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> Oh, well, we are not rewinding about eight months, please. Yeah, I get that. PC Tony versus the Daughters of Darkness. <laughs> I know PC Tony would love that. Oh, such good stuff. So we do. I appreciate it. Um, definitely drop those suggestions. Oh, it's uh, a, a, a Sir Little Wolf in London versus Man Devil Man. I like that. That's okay. That's funny. 
because less for Little Wolf and Man Devil. That's sweet. But definitely drop those suggestions for who you'd like to see in a bloodbath down there in the comments. Um, if they, uh, uh, hopefully we can put them together. I think that we have some, I would, I can tell you right now, um, who was it who gave it to us? Uh, Brutus. Dr. Giggles versus the dentist is happening. It, did, it didn't even occur to me. That one is going to happen. I'm going to make that one happen. Michael. So this is going to be great. <laughs> Michael Bay versus Hellraiser 3. That might actually be a good fight. Jessica G. Jessica G. That is so shitty. It would, Wait, it would end the universe. Shlomading dog. Uh, be the debate ringleader there. What's a twist? Ooh, Sir Little Wolf. Devil Dog versus Man's Best Friend. That could be good. <laughs> PhD Tony versus NyQuil. What knocks you out faster? <laughs> All right. So you definitely get those suggestions in the comments. Uh, we will jump on those and see what we can see what we can put together. It should be a lot of fun. Chill, chill, um, chill, chill, chill. So, yes, yes, sir. This is a horror movie podcast. Talk to me, Goose. Can we talk about some fucking horror movies, please? It is. It is a horror movie podcast. Let's fucking do it. Yes. Yes. You know I what? Am Before we go, I just want to say to our fans, oh. thank you. If you guys are drinking, have one with me. I told totally oh, you to drink on stream. <laughs> I should have got a beer. If you guys love you. Pamela Voorhees. Pamela Voorhees versus Ellen Ripley. Pamela is so toast. <laughs> she she got killed by a counselor with no skills whatsoever. <laughs> All she could do was run. <laughs> and and Pamela got caught monologuing. You'll never see Ellen Ripley get caught monologuing. <laughs> Ellen Ripley's like, get away from her. You <laughs> That's it. Ellen Ripley, Ellen Ripley in the exoskeleton suit <laughs> versus just Pam Voorhees. You're done. <laughs> Ellen Ripley gives no fucks. All right, we do. Let's get to our first film. Um, and I've been so it's, excited to, it's like to, one of the to, first uh, to get to this one. Eventually. Yeah. Yes, it's uh, very early in there. So we this film released February 14th, 1931, a Valentine's Day, which is just perfect because it is a love story. Uh, the movie Dracula. <laughs> the one and only. The one and only. The one and only. So directed directed by Todd Browning with assistance from Carl Freund. Uh, screenplay by Garrett Ford, adapted from Bram Stoker's director. This is the first authorized adaptation of Bram Stoker's novel. Sorry, Nosferatu, even though uh, you are awesome as well. Starring the legend Bella Lugosi, David Manners, Helen Chandler, Dwight Fry, and Edward Van Sloan. Um, what what could possibly, how could I possibly sum this up? To say People are so familiar with uh, the story of Dracula. You watch this movie not so much for the story. I mean, I mean, it's an excellent film. Bela Lugosi is fantastic in the role of uh, of the prince, and then of course everybody plays their roles to a T. You watch this for the experience of watching it. It is the story of Dracula. You're familiar with it if you've seen the Francis Ford Coppola um, adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula. It follows along the same lines. Just the spectacle. Obviously, it's 1931. The spectacle isn't there, but the acting is fantastic. And uh, well, I mean, it's in black and white. It has a, a particular aesthetic that is common, you know, with films of the time, and I think lends itself to really. I mean, the whole, entire Universal monster line kicked off and gained or gained its uh, its fame because of this film. Even though it wasn't the first in the Universal monster line, the Phantom of the Opera actually came first, and there was a Wolfman before that. 
Um, but it was Lon Chaney who brought the Wolfman to life. And of course, but it was Bela Lugosi as Dracula that said universal monsters are a thing, that these are bankable, we can make money off of them, and it kicked off entire franchises, including crossovers between like Dracula and Wolfman and Frankenstein. So a legendary film um, and uh, definitely a, a, I would say, required viewing for anyone who's a fan of horror and loves horror history. Like we do. Oh, weird. It's almost like we do yeah, a podcast. Exactly. But see, with, so with Dracula, the thing that sets this movie apart, this is the one that really kind of gets into our like culture. That is, it, it's this is one of the mm-hmm. first films that really transcends just being an actual film because when we picture Dracula and when people use Dracula adaptations from here on out, we picture the Bela Lugosi one. The count, the way his makeup is, that wardrobe, the costume, all this kind of stuff. This is the go-to, and this is how this film has is, is gone to, because you can find any five-year-old or a six-year-old and be like, who's Dracula? And they'll be able to tell you. And who they picture is the Bela Lugosi one. This is how big this movie has impacted our culture. It's 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 wild. And I think something that now was really interesting, because uh, reading up on this, and I was completely unaware that, very similar to a previous film we talked about when we talked about Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 1956, is that this film, like that film, was extremely disordered you know, in, during production. It was, a, it was a chaotic production, stuff shifting all over the place. Well, you dropped this back uh, over 30, over uh, 20 years previous. 1931, it's Universal Studios. You have studio executives that you have to deal with. And obviously, the Hayes Code is in, produ- is, you know, is in full swing. Um this was a chaotic production uh, as far as bringing it together. There was a lot of craziness that went down as far as trying to get this one. And I think first and foremost was that Eugene, I think they didn't No, so they didn't Bella want Lugosi. Bella Lugosi and they wanted a list of other actors, including like Paul Mooney and Chester Morris and Eon Keith and John Ware, John Ware and a couple of others that were they felt like was way better suited for leading men, but Bella Gosi ended up winning the role over because he took a massive pay cut. So he agreed to do the film for $500 a week, which so a total, he was only paid about $3,500 on it. We're talking like 1931 though. So yeah, I mean, yeah, 1931, it's kind of, it's still above what average people were making, but in terms of film wise, it was like nothing. Yeah, that's like a uh, compared to what other what other people were making at the time. Uh, we're talking like individuals like um, uh, Abbott and Costello or uh, or Charlie Chaplin, and they were who were making bang or Buster Keaton were making absolute bank, and were some of the you know you know that was money. Whereas you know five hundred dollars uh, five hundred dollars a week. You said? Yeah, it's like five hundred dollars a week. Well, you realize same actors were making ten thousand dollars a week, and this is about a time where average people yeah. are making. 10 20 bucks a week like like that that's, was it that's wild. and so and so he still he still made good money but it wasn't it definitely wasn't up to what they were making and then on top of that so had like some conflicts on set because Bela Lugosi really dove into the character and he would do things like not look at the mirror he would actually throw his coat over a mirror so and shout like I'm Dracula because he didn't want to see his reflection at all. He really, he, Bella Lugosi really dove into the character. And so, so kind of some of the other cast members were like, saw him as real eccentric on it. But Bella Lugosi is more of that method type of actor that Daniel Day-Lewis and some of the others 
really diving into it. But it was interesting because Bela Lugosi fought so hard to get this role. And when the filming was done, he was actually afraid that he's going to get typecasted as wow. straight up just, oh, monsters. So he actually started kind of backing off. He was just really afraid of what it was actually going to do to his career in the end. Can we, yeah. can we talk about can we talk about that? Jail, we used to work together. I mean, after taxes, we weren't taking home much more than that a week at the job that we were working at. And yeah, I, was thinking, yeah. I was thinking about it because I was like, okay, that wasn't that long. I, you know, 1930s, and I was like, fuck, we're old. Uh, that was 90 fucking years ago. <laughs> and it, yeah. Seriously, I, I didn't even think about it because 1930 when I was a kid, it was it was a lot closer than it is now. But, you know, 500 bucks a week, we, we weren't even making that. I mean, okay, we were, but like, you know what I mean? We we're pretty close to that wage. If something went wrong during when we were working, we were making that much money. And if somebody was worried about that 90 years ago, that uh, shit, man, actors are. Lugosi fucking deserved it in this movie. Are you kidding me? You're talking about eccentric. I mean, I am Dracula, and just the fucking faces, like when he's standing at the bottom of the stairs uh, when the door opens, and like that look on his face, like it, it's he was so good in this movie. Even today, I could be like. Well, wow, there was there was this. Uh, you can tell. You can tell how much he loved it. How much he was throwing himself into it. Oh, there's a scene. So there's a particular scene that they that they that Todd Browning lifted directly from Nosferatu. That he pulled it, you know, just shot for shot because it was such an iconic moment. And Browning wanted to capture that. He wanted Lugosi to do it. Lugosi knew what they were doing, so he gave everything he had to it. I mean, I, honestly, uh, Matt, you know, uh, Shrek did a fantastic job. Um, as far as I think, yeah, uh, as far as portraying Count Orlok in um, yeah. in uh, Nosferatu, but Lugosi, I think, had a better just a better grasp of performance because he was a theater. Tra- he's a theatrically trained actor. He was a theatrically trained actor. In fact, he played Dracula in the stage adaptation on Broadway, and that was one of the reasons why he went out, why he wanted to do it because. He was uh, he was familiar with it. it. It was recent, and so he was like, "Yes, I can do this." But because he was a theatrical actor, that's why the studios didn't want him initially. Because you know, that translation from working theater to working to film is often very, very difficult. You know, classically trained actors uh, from the theater uh, dealing with a camera and not having an audience, not having the instantaneous gratification, can affect someone. Can oftentimes affect a performance. Oh, yeah. But and, you know, and I think him going and him you being able to recall that stage acting experience actually really helped out because in this film we're kind of going for a little bit of an exaggerated of Dracula anyway. Like I felt like when a lot of times we get stage actors and they just they're saying they're playing a normal person in a film, you it trans it can translate bad because your audience is twelve feet away when you're on stage. You have to over dramatize everything. Um, your makeup is even dramatized, so it looks good from that distance and further and further back. Whereas with a camera, you can put a camera a foot away from somebody's face, and we can see every detail, every little thing. So little nuances that actors may do, the way they shift their eyebrows, or the way they smile, <laughs> doesn't come across on stage at all. But with with Dracula, it just works. Oh, I, I love! I've always loved that that te- technique in black and white, where they had where they put the the light across the eyes. Yes, just you know, like, oh, like yeah. and they just highlight that once. I've always, I just, I love that technique. And when they use that in the Adams family, 
when Morticia is laid in the bed and she opens her eyes. She's got that like the just this strip of light like right there. That's, people Man, still try I just, to recreate I, that on like Instagram and shit with those little halo lights and whatever. Oh yeah, it's yeah. and there there's certain things that they did back then. A lot of times they would use filters on people's faces because people a lot of actors started from stage and then went to film, and so they didn't like close-ups. And actually, a lot of female actresses at the time would have in their contract saying that they would not do an unfiltered close-up. For a lot of times, they wouldn't want close-up at all. And then they kind of came in the middle, like, well, what if we put a filter? That's why a lot of those movies, when they would do a close-up on women, they'll have that hazy kind of effect that's why oh yeah they, they like lay, they would layer uh filters yeah on t- in front of the in front of the lens yeah in order to in order to get that subdued image in yeah it almost it, i would say like it almost looks fuzzy um and the, the more they had to depending upon how much they had to actually uh layer it out exactly it looks like instagram filters today yeah yes <laughs> when it went back then it was like it was literally like a sheet of pantyhose that they just slid over the camera <laughs> And you just stretch, stretch, you stretch it over the, you stretch it over the front of the, uh, of the front of the barrel, stretch it over the front of the barrel, and then you light that thing. You're going to get a nice, uh, um, uh, a nice, diff- no filter. Uh, filter, yeah, like a nice a uh, diffuse. Yeah, <laughs> it's a filter. Yeah, and it's, it's going to smooth it out and make them look. Real. That's where you get that that kind of classic 1930s, 1940s look, especially in black and white. It plays really well in black and white, uh, black and white, especially when yes. um, if the scene is lit appropriately. Oh man, fucking like here's the, here's the deal. Bola Lugosi's awesome. Oh, always, man, you know, always was, and and this being so, the first it was like you know let's bring it up a notch. It, it was it was unbelievable. In this Dracula, I mean, you can watch uh, what is there? Like I'm I'm sure there's probably a hundred Dracula movies out there right now, <clears throat> but but when you watch this, it's like he brings he brings this demented psychotic feel to it that it should be you watch some of these vampire movies and they're like love stories or mushy gushy or slow and whatever and it's like no you get Bela Lugosi in this role he loved what he was doing you could tell that and just what he brought there was a scene in the movie uh, if you remember when the doctor was opening up a case had the cross and he smacks it out of his hand it it just the, the moments leading up to it it was like the acting in that alone, it, being 1931, you know, he's like completely unaware what's in the box, even though he knows what's in there. It, you just get this demented, psychotic feel to this whole movie that has never been portrayed the same to me. Yeah, I mean, he, Bela Lugosi will always be Dracula. Yeah. I mean, always. I, I, they will always make Dracula films or TV shows or whatever. And, and there's, there's some are better than others, but Bela Lugosi will always be the like Dracula. Oh, the Dracula by which we measure all Draculas. And I mean, I, we can, we, I mean, because honestly, you know, you, whether it's uh, whether it's freaking um, Willem Dafoe as you know in Shadow of the Vampire or Jerry Butler in Dracula two thousand. I forgot, I forgot uh, about Willem Dafoe, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no matter no matter what you get, no matter what, no matter how you, or even because uh, Dracula even showed up in yeah. Buffy. And even that, because even that, there there were moments there where you could tell in that performance, it was one, it was like one episode. And even in that, you could tell that actor was pulling a little bit from Lugosi. Lugosi set the standard, and uh, well, I mean, it will always be a lay. Obviously, it, it the reason we have oh, Jessica G. Jail is Dracula. <laughs> Res. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to go into the chat here in a minute because there's some crazy shit going on. But. 
Jessica, Jessica's killing me. I'm, I'm looking at it. Jessica's killing me. But the big thing about it is we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have, hang on a second, we wouldn't have Frankenstein. We wouldn't have, okay, Karloff wouldn't have been given his shot. Cheney wouldn't have been given, wouldn't have, wouldn't have been given his shot. Claude Rains wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten his. We wouldn't have the universal monster monster selection if it wasn't for the strength that, like, legitimately, Bela Lugosi was the Robert Downey Jr. of his time. The whole reason we have a universal, the, we, you know, Tony, because of Robert Downey Jr., we got the MCU because of Lugosi. He's we the got opposite universal of monsters. what Tom Cruise did to the Mummy. <laughs> Yes, very much, very true, yeah. very true. Because <laughs> let's let's face facts: Tom no, Cruise is no, no Robert Downey oh. Jr. Tom, Tom Cruise wants to fly a fighter plane. Hey, that is perfectly day, fine all day. I will yeah. watch him with Top Gun. I will watch Top Gun too with a fucking smile on my face. That's where he belongs, though. Nowhere else. <laughs> my personal opinion. Uh. Yes, Tom Cruise, strap yourself to the side of a rocket and just keep going. <laughs> I'm sorry, JL equals Justin Lorez. <laughs> They're killing me. I uh, I am sorry. My camera is is low resolution. I, uh, Angela is streaming uh, Hulu in the other room. She's watching Raising Hope, and that's what she's doing until she comes in to help us with the bloodbath debate later tonight. Um, there's not much that I can do about that. I can't tell my wife she can't watch it. Never mind. I, so, I almost said some stupid shit. Oh, Man Devil says blasphemy. Oh, Tom God. Cruise was the vampire of the stat. Man Devil, I would have agreed with everything you, you said. And then he and you said it. Christine versus the car in the chats, and we've done that. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put the, li- I put the link then now up in, this, the, uh, in the live chat. you got to redeem yourself. Um, hey, uh, so Little Wolf says Jaws Demented versus pictures. What's up? Welcome. Interesting. Uh, it says, do you know me? Y- yes. You do those top 10 videos on YouTube. I've seen them before. Nice. Okay. Um, nice. We got Jessica Alien X Jessica, gaming. What are you doing? J- J- hey, Alien X. Jessica, JL versus the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot footage. <laughs> JL versus the mirror naked. <laughs> Okay, oh, yo, yo, the, the, the mirror wins every time. I run screaming. I will run screaming. Yeah, I just poured, poured purple drink on my mouth. <laughs> you guys make me laugh. I see. Basic trigonometry says Tom Cruise was good as Lestat, but like most roles, he needed to be a foot, he needed to be a foot taller. <laughs> that was funny. Um, well, okay, so his performance as a stat was not bad. Uh, I liked the chemistry between him and Brad Pitt. Uh, I just I think they played off each other. They played that antagonistic relationship very, very well because it was it, it was almost exactly like it was in the book. That list, that Louis starts out as very dependent on the stat, but as he grows, he be, he begins to separate himself. And of course, I got to chalk it up. That scene after they've you know after they've fed him dead blood and slit his throat and dumped him in the friggin' swamp. That moment when they come back in the house and he's like all rotted and decaying and playing the piano and looks like a freaking zombie, that scene was amazing. I thought that was great. Of course, they set him on fire and it was just, you know, who, who doesn't want to see Tom Cruise on fire? No, but I thought that scene was well done. The cinematography there, obviously the makeup special effects, I thought was really, really good. And Tom Cruise looked pissed as fuck because, you know, he's got those dead eyes, but at least he can do angry well. I, I enjoyed interviewing really? Vampire. Did you? I really did. Even, you know, 
Oh, I liked it. I, I mean, I enjoyed it as a, I mean, as a, as a vampire film. I, it's it's Anne Rice vampires, which I think are a little too romantic when did for my taste. Come out? Uh, it's like 90, 94? 96, I think. Yeah. Mid nineties. I remember it was right in the middle of like when it was okay to be gay, and then when it wasn't, and it it was such like a a thing for a long time that oh, it was this this gay story, and like you know nowadays it'd be not a problem but back then it was so controversial but then like i remember watching it like young and see like i i read uh the book uh that that was based off of and i I never felt it was like controversial until later in life and then people started talking about i just i just had this conversation the reason i was like did you like it because i loved that movie and i just had a conversation with a uh almost 80 year old couple about this movie they brought it up um and just the passion just seeing these people talk about it the way that they did it was like i wish more people would see this movie as that it was a good movie it was a very well done movie without all the controversial shit yeah yeah it was it was it was well crafted it was as far as movies go it was very well crafted and somebody mentioned in the chat it was um charlie welch charlie welch yes and mandevil as well kirsten dunst Gave one of the oh, best child performances I have ever seen. And oh, I agree, I've ever seen in my life. Kirsten Dunst made that movie. She was magnificent in that role, and especially her arc, how she goes from from child to you know she's been you know in the body of a child for like eighty years or like sixty years from like this, and so she's technically and in, in you know mentally she's in her uh, she's in her twilight years or she's old, but she's still stuck as a child. How she played that, the maturity of that, and the cynicism. And the, the pessimism of that, of the kind of like that character was brilliant. So absolutely, you know, but still in some ways, a child is unable to mature. You know, I would actually, I would actually, I would actually throw into there uh, Dakota Fanning as well. Another unpopular opinion. Oh God, never mind. Shit. I almost made a Twilight reference. <laughs> It's vampire related. Well, like, we she, uh, yeah. she, was, <laughs> she was good up until after the Twilight films. Man, Devil says Je- uh, Jessica G. I feel like JL's feed is going to turn yeah. into a darknet snuff film. <laughs> I think that would make a, a rating draw, man. <laughs> it probably, it probably a would. And a- uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Just- before we jump, well, let's jump in, uh, jump into the CTA. I mean, I mean, Jessica G is killing me over here. Keep this in mind, everyone. If a killer randomly appears behind JL, literally nobody in here will be able to identify him or her other than one of the pixels on the screen. It'd be like a horror movie, unfriended. So, so crazy. Anyway, so yes, uh, Dracula, a magnificent, magnificent classic film. Legendary Bela Lugosi and probably his greatest role ever. He's had, he had a magnificent career. Um, which lasts over 40 years. But so he's got plenty of movies and, of course, in television prefer, uh, per, uh, performances to check out. But definitely see this one if you have not. Um, but I have a, a, call to, a call to action for the audience. I want to know. We want to know. Let us know in the comments below or in the live chat or shoot us an email, weekendorgmail.com. What was your favorite Dracula, your favorite film Dracula? And there have been several. And I would say you know, under the name Dracula, of the Draculas that have appeared – what was your favorite? Because uh, Bela Lugosi wasn't the only Dracula in 
um, in the Universal line. And of course, you also have the Hammer Horror series. So, you know, you know uh, Bela Lugosi, Christopher Lee, Jerry Butler, um, it, it maybe even television Draculas, maybe the new one that just came out, the English one, uh, which kind of like it was a revival of the Hammer Horror series. I can't, I, I can't remember the actor's name cool, he played, but I thought he was magnificent. Oh, I yeah, need to that see that. Yeah, yeah, the dude, three series dude, one. If you haven't seen that, binge it. it so I watched it start to finish in one day. I, I did. I woke up. I started it. I went to bed. It's, I was like, I wish there was more. It, what is it on? It's is so it on like Netflix? It's so great. Or, it really Netflix, is. It was fantastic. on Netflix. Okay. It's on Netflix. Yep. Oh, uh, Jessica, you say Dracula dead <laughs> loving it. So Leslie Nielsen is her favorite Dracula. <laughs> oh, I love some Leslie Nielsen. Uh, so definitely. Sir Casim says Gary Oldman channeled Lugosi in, in Gary Oldman channeled Lugosi in interview with him. <laughs> Come on, dude. Really? Hey. Be nice. He, he's uh, a but uh, Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman was fantastic Dracula. Uh, uh, Gary Oldman was a fantastic uh, Dracula, and of course, Bram, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. That was a great movie. I loved it. One, um, even uh, Ke- even Keanu Reeves couldn't bring that movie down uh, because I thought he was terrible as I thought he was terrible as freaking uh, Jonathan uh, Harker, but he he made it work. Uh, Based trigonometry says Grandpa Munch. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was yeah. I will allow it. Yes, it's been ruled on. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. All right. Uh, let's kick off to our second one. Eugene, I, I, I was so glad I got to get <laughs> this. Is, this is great. This is fantastic. I've been wanting to see it for a while, and I finally got a chance to watch it last night. And we are talking about VFW, released February 14th, 2020. And it is directed by Joe Begos, and it stars Stephen Lang, William Sadler, Martin Cove, and Fred Williamson. And basically what ends up happening is you have this VFW, for those of you who don't know, stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars, and they, they are bars that veterans hang out with. You have to be a veteran or know a veteran to get into them. So veterans can hang out, drink and stuff, and chit-chat with. And so you have a VFW, and this girl runs in who she stole a bunch of drugs from a bike. And so the biker gang goes to tries to kill her and the veterans decide that, well, we're here. We're going to go and defend and fight these gangs all and fucking shit. It is awesome. <laughs> it is so awesome. It is so fun because like I've been to the VFW a couple of times and like how the bar is in that movie is exactly how it is. They're usually these are they're usually dive bars. You a lot of times you'll get old timers, so you'll have a lot of like uh, Korean War vets. You'll have a lot of Vietnam vets, and you'll have some few more of like modern stuff. But it's probably those. So you have like kind of these older guys, but these are older guys that you don't you don't want to fuck with. Because you'll get these guys, they're like, you know, some old guy, and he's like 65, 70, something like that. And then you'll be talking to him, and he'll casually bring up how he was like a sniper and like smoked like 30 people while he was like overseas. <laughs> Holy shit. I remember when I my 75th kill, and it's like, oh shit, I should buy this guy a drink. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I'm impressed, sir. Good, good time. Good time. So, like, it was something, it, it was cool how they captured it because even the feel of it, this was somebody who legit, I don't know if the director or producer in like that were veterans, I don't know, but it got the feel of it. And that's what I actually I really enjoyed about the film. Well, that's it. it 
It was okay. So I recently just saw this too because I didn't even know it was a film until we we started talking about it uh, a couple of days ago, actually. And uh, my favorite style of film is Grindhouse, and this absolutely killed that genre. It was fan fucking tastic. You get into it, like you said. This person comes in biker gang, you know, shotguns. Uh, the the lighting of this movie, this was just 100% pure grindhouse that we have not seen in a long time, which, uh, I mean, besides, uh, what what was it, Planet Terror, and what was the other movie that came out? With oh, and, uh, and uh, um, we, Death, Death Proof. And I would actually say, and I was, you bring that up, I would actually just comment on that. That because Grindhouse and Death Proof were both shot normally, yeah, 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 made yeah, to yeah. look Grindhouse. You could tell, you could tell. Okay, whereas this I, movie, no, this this movie wrong. was like, legit. You know, like is, he could pull off Grindhouse any day of the week for whatever reason. I mean, that was close, but we have not seen a good Grindhouse movie, and I I'd say I don't know if I've ever seen one new in my lifetime, and so. I I, I can't think of one. Yeah, I can't yeah even off the top of my head, tell you the last one that was shot in my lifetime. I'm pretty young compared to you two. Oh, 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 no, no. I can think of one. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in that style. And then you get this. In 2020, we're so many years ahead of the last real Grindhouse movie that this came out. I, I was – I hadn't even talked about it when we talked on uh, – or I haven't seen it since uh, Sunday. I watched it – I don't even know what day it is. Oh, yesterday, Tuesday. I watched it yesterday. And, and I was blown away, absolutely. And – the grindhouse stylus is so fucking cool and then he gets just lines in it like uh it's q and a time <laughs> it's just like oh fuck yeah no dude this was great and and it touches on it touches on a lot of things like you said the vfw i i've never served i always wanted to but i have a lot of friends that did so i've been to vfws i've heard those crazy stories that you have talked about it it's it's insane and then you put drugs in the middle of it which is like Taboo. Uh oh. Did we lose Alex? Oh, oh, oh we dang. We did lose Alex mid sentence. Yeah, he was oh, making man. a really he good point, too. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Until he gets back, let's take a look. Let's take a look at what the chat is talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, um, Grind uh, is so great. <laughs> Sorry, that's my horrible Alex impression. Can they hear you? Can they hear you? Oh. So uh, let's see what we got here. Um, this would be an interesting call to action. What's your favorite <laughs> VFW movie? <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Just wait till I have this. Wait till I have the CTA. I said yes. Uh, speaking of Grindhouse, Death Proof Zoe Bell is amazing, an incredible stunt woman. Also, the stand-in uh, and stunt double for uh, Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Um, that that girl, that girl, girl kicks serious ass. I love that moment when she when they finally get the car to stop. And Kurt Russell is, you know, takes off, and they they hit the brake. She flies off the car, and she lands in the weed. They don't know if she's dead or not, and it's just like this long tension with tension without release until finally she just pops up. <laughs> I'm okay. And I was like, holy shit! <laughs> so freaking great. I love that. I love that shit. Uh, yeah, Zoe uh, Zoe Bell is fantastic. Uh, yes, her little wolf hobo with the shotgun was hilarious. Rutger, what of what Rutger Howard's finest performances? <laughs> A hobo with a shotgun. I actually, <laughs> I do love, love that, movie. that shit. <laughs> When, when he when he when he when he uh the the guy uh I was the guy in the manhole and they drive off his, his neck and head off. <laughs> yes, it was so brilliant. Oh, it was fucking crazy. 
Oh, yeah, that was uh, yeah. Zoe can do everything, uh, even hilarious and whippet. Yes, she was fantastic. Oh, and we had um, oh, yeah. I love Machete. I love that. Definitely. Okay. Yes, definitely. Oh, oh, yeah. Trejo saw, was amazing. You saw a guy get killed by amazing. Low like that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, interesting story. Interesting story about Danny Trejo. Um, my wife uh, w- uh, worked in the service industry. And she was working for a uh, restaurant called Eddie V's, and you know they they cater to pretty much you know pretty much high clientele. It's a very very expensive restaurant anyway. So they get celebrities all the time. You know Tony Romo from the Dallas Cowboys, um, Ed Tuttle Jones come in there. Uh, you know Ralph Lauren, you know, shit like that. Anyway, one day uh, she's working and fucking Danny Trejo walks in. So he comes in, he's wearing a wife beater. He's got fucking like, you know, Chico's on, you know, just whatever. He's, he's Danny Trejo. So he comes in, he's got a couple friends with him. He's like, Hey, you know, can I get a table? He's like, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, Danny, come on, come on in. Let's, let's get you a table. He's like, fantastic. Hey, but uh, while you guys set that up, my friends are going to sit down. I'm going to go across the street and check out this gym real quick. Um, so I'll be back. So that's what we tell. Apparently he came over to Eddie V's, uh, which is a seafood, which is a, um, a five-star seafood, seafood restaurant because he was turned away at the door. At Nick and Sam's because he didn't match he didn't match oh. dress code. So Nick and Sam said, like, no, Danny Trejo cannot eat here because Danny Trejo's wearing a wife beater and jorts. And so he was like, okay, whatever. So he went to Eddie B's. <laughs> they were like, Yeah, oh yes, get in here, bring all your friends. It was freaking awesome. So Angela got to Angela got to uh to get to meet um Danny Trejo, which is pretty badass. Uh Alex wants to know, can we get him back in? I'm assuming there he is. Okay. There, there he is. It cut off. Sweet. So apparently, Man Devil was saying Zoe Bell said it was so hard for her to not hide her face during the sense that's what she's used to doing, most likely. And Tarantino was yelling at her, You can show your face because she's used to used to cheating away because she's a studio you because know, she does stunts. And it's like, yeah, because she was Zoe Bell playing herself. God, she was amazing. She was so awesome. <laughs> you, we know you just playing. Jessica G says, "Did oh Jessica G says, did she get a picture with him? And was it in as low <laughs> res as your current stream feed jail? <sighs> no, unfortunately, she did not get a picture with him because she was working, and it was you know kind of like yeah. you know you don't hassle the celebrities. Why not? Well, the guy just the guy wants I to go in there. And eat, I missed the entire story. So. <laughs> uh, we were talking. We were talking about Danny Trejo. He uh, came into my wife's restaurant uh, while she was working one shift because he was turned away from Nick and Sam's because of his because of how he was dressed. Wow. Just fucking cut my thumb. I uh, I went to one Wild. of his uh... so stupid. Yes, yeah, Sir Little Wolf. So stupid. Danny Danny can wear whatever the fuck he wants. I, uh, I yes, saw him he can. One of his food drives uh, out in Dallas. I unfortunately, I I didn't get to fucking like go up and talk to him or anything, but he was there. I could see him from where I was standing, and I was like, you know what, this is good enough. I'm not gonna go bug the guy. He's giving free food to fucking people who need it. So, well, that's one thing I think we can say is that uh, Grindhouse is a lost art. They don't come around very often, despite the fact that every time a Grindhouse film comes along, I I, I can't. I don't think there's a horror film I've met that does not love them. Uh, you know, films like Machete, uh, Hobo, which coincidentally were both. Uh, trailers for death, yeah, you know, uh, in the Death Proof and Death Proof and uh, and Planet Terror uh, films. There were fake trailers made that you know, were so popular they got made in actual movies. 
And then, of course, a movie like VFW. Grindhouse is a lost art. Shooting in that style is 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 more difficult than shooting uh, than shooting digitally because you know, you shoot with film. And then, of course, you know, you go for a specific look, a specific light scheme, and then, of course, color correction, getting. But because it's so difficult to recreate in uh, digitally, to recreate on the computer, it's much, much easier to shoot in the style that they yeah, did. Yeah, because you would get that. You would get that cheap film stock that was that whatever, like the 16 millimeter. Yeah or Super 35, whatever they shot on back then. And you were just basically, like, at that time, it was just your standard low-budget f- amateur filmmakers. Like, that's the, they were the ones who were making it. So they were just kind of doing their thing, and it worked as Grindhouse. And now today, when we get our 6K high-end digital cameras that people can just buy off of Amazon, you have to go to go back and track like some of the cameras down track that style of film stock down and it could actually be more expensive to shoot yeah. grindhouse today than like okay. yeah especially when you're talking about developing film stock that's that's one of the toughest things um it can get incredibly expensive so but i really really i i loved it i thought it was fantastic um I thought VFW blew me away because I, I unfortunately don't I don't have much experience as far as with you know veterans. My grandfather was a Marine, uh, but he died you know pretty much around the time that you know I was born. Um, but you know there were stories there. But uh, uh, the the one thing that struck me was the camaraderie of the actors. I thought it was that these guys worked. Bro, I think yes. worked as he a was unit. like okay. So there was um, a line. Um... Uh, he's like, me and my friends are going to die here tonight unless you help us out. And it was like, he's like, you know, this is me and my friends. Like, we're going to die here if we, if we don't get this straightened out. And so it was like, yeah, another camaraderie. And it was, I don't know. Yeah, keep going. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. That was. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. It was, it was, they, they, uh, obviously the actors went through, uh, obviously you know, these guys have played, uh, played role, military roles before in the past. Almost every one of them has played a role where it, they were engaged in some, as some form of militaristic uh, you know, character at one point or another. So they can bring that into it, but to work together as a unit requires training as a unit and training. And uh, you know, so you had a couple of guys who were in Korea, a couple of guys who were in Nam, and then you had the one young dude who was fresh back from Afghanistan. And so I did. So another thing I love the dichotomy between the, the, okay. There was a dichotomy between those wars between Korea and Nam and today. So it's two different mentalities of soldier. However, not really there was a there's kind of like a, an, an unspoken language between them that they had an understanding of one another despite the fact they were separated by 30 40 50 well, years there was a there was a famous so like they they, they, they hey, got that uh, eugene you, you should know this war never changes yeah war war is war ulysses s grant right yeah war mm-hmm. war never changes and it's despite whatever technology that you use it is it's it's always the same where it's muskets machine guns airstrikes whatever and it's it's the kind of thing where you can't describe it to someone who's been there and the fact that they've been there already puts you together it it's it's the fact that like okay yes. cool you could have been a nom where i mean it was a shit show absolutely and and in my opinion like an unnecessary war but like we were there it happened it doesn't matter what what people think about it 
what it was, the people were there and people came back and they had to reacclimate with society. And that's hard, no matter what war it was. Korean War, my, my grandpa or my dad was around for the Korean War. My grandpa was in a war that he only told my grandmother uh, what he did in the war. He was he did something so secret that he won't tell anybody ever unless they're on their deathbed. My grandma was dying when he told her what happened. You know, it's, it, there's things that it just, it, it changes people in a way that people who haven't experienced could never understand. And whether it's like you get trained, I know they train you to like not feel when you kill and yada, yada, they're the enemy. It, it doesn't matter. These are still people, no matter how hard you try to condition somebody, they're still a person. And that's, that's like, it, it doesn't matter what war you were in you dealt with the same things that everybody has dealt with in that position. And that's, that's the hard thing to deal with. And you look at these movies, jail, we've talked about underlining meanings in movies. This movie was a good movie. I don't, I could never feel what other people would feel seeing this movie being in that situation, being those vets, being that, you know, close to somebody in the way that like my life depends on that person every single day. I, it, it hits people differently. And that's what makes this movie great is it's different for every person that watches it. It really is because it's always, it's hard acclimating back. And that's something that a lot of people, a lot of people don't have PTSD and all sorts of kind of stuff, but just to transition in general, where you have your unit, you have your brothers, you will take a bullet for them. You're going to have, have to trust everybody you're with and then you get out of the military and you have a good friend that'll stab you in the back you'll have a job that'll screw you over you'll have so you'll have it's like oh yeah. well you're and you try to find these bonds again I, I mean i still talk to people from my unit i've been out for almost 10 years and i i was talking to my old sergeant like two days ago kind of thing and uh, like he's still in everything like that but you try to find these bonds you try to find these things and what happens a lot of veterans they feel isolated because you can't trust people anymore so you have a place like vfw to go like well why don't you come here and you can actually talk to people to sometimes just just to shoot the shit it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily veterans get together to talk about oh we're going to talk about the most gruesome war stories in the worst days sometimes we talk about just funny stuff that happened that's what i wanted to ask was like when you go to the vfw because i've been there i've been there a few times like i said i got friends that were in the military i don't know if you guys caught that i've got friends that were in the military uh, a lot that just came back not too long ago and I've been to the VFW and it's not, it's not about war stories. It's about going somewhere where you can trust the person that you're talking to. Cause you can go to any bar you want ever and talk to somebody, but I don't, I don't trust anybody that I talk to on a daily basis as is, but you go to the VFW and you can trust the words, every single word that comes out of anybody's mouth there. And that's like, that's just, I feel like that's what people are looking for, especially in that situation. you are trying to reacclimate. You get fucked over so many times by the people when you come back because people suck in general. And, and then you and then you get to this point where it's like, I just want somebody to talk to that I know I can trust. Yeah, it's just it's something because I've gone to bars and somebody will be starting like, oh, I'm a vet and blah, blah, blah. And I can tell they're lying like right off the bat. And I, I, I usually don't call people out on I was just whatever. There some black ops, special sniper, seal, green beret, delta force all in one 
you know, Jason Bourne. I've I've heard, and most of the time it's just like a yeah, sure, man, whatever. Okay, blah 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 blah. But right. you, when you actually get, you get to go to a place and it's, we can sit, we can chat, and we it, it's interesting because you can exchange like boot camp stories and hey, do funny guys that we met this and oh man, we got this over our sergeant's head or lieutenant's head or you know whatever in it, and it's just it's a certain vibe, and I think that's one thing that transfers with this movie is once you're a veteran, you're always a veteran, and once you've been trained to do violence, you can always go back to that. And that's something that's like, I don't want to, but if I need it, it's still there. Right. That was, that was a, that was a big thing in this. And it actually made it actually made me ask the question. Um, so obviously VFW had a major trope in it. And the trope that I saw was basically the connection between uh, the military and violence. Now, obviously, um, our good servicemen and women uh, go out there and they fight for our rights and they 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 you know defend this nation, and uh, they have a storied history uh, behind them all, behind all, behind all the branches. And I saw it, it pretty much it clicked for me that it's a it's a movie trope. It is a trope that any time that there is a serviceman character or, or servicewoman character, every time that you have a, a soldier, even an ex-soldier in the uh, in the film. There will always be a some connection to violence in that movie, in some way. Like as though, even if it's as simple as that character uses violence as as a way of responding to things. And I was I was curious because you know Eugene, you being a veteran, and I rec- and, and realizing that this trope is used quite a bit. In fact, it's it's quite often either the unstable soldier. Or the quick to anger st- uh, soldier, or the soldier just back from war, or currently in war, or something of that nature. Raw physicality, violence, and anything that goes along with it is always a trope. And I know that the two are linked intrinsically. Soldiers are bra- or soldiers are made to fight. They're made to kill. They're made to defend. That is what they do. That is their training. But is that all they are? And we know that's not all they are. That's not all you are as a veteran, and it made me it made me wonder as a veteran yourself when you see this. Every time you see a soldier or an ex-soldier or a veteran, every time you see a soldier or a veteran or some way it's linked to the military or to or to this kind of government service, there's always violence. It, it's something because that's part of your job. The, the first job as a soldier, marine, whatever, is to kill people, and usually killing people is violent in some in some form fashion so it's almost like if you're gonna make a movie about welder they have to weld something now there there are many okay many complexities to how people handle that and i think that's where you get a lot of the psychology behind it. a lot of war movies or when you see war vets is a psychology study because it's how how do they handle it are they handling as well are they handling poorly because war is or you talk about PTSD, PTSD is a normal response for um, abnormal circumstances. And that, that's mm-hmm. exactly, you are raised your entire kill somebody. You don't hurt somebody. You're raised that your entire life. And then the military reverse that goes, no, we need you to do that. And you're right. It's not, it's not a whole part of your personality. You can compartmentalize different things in your life, but it becomes a large part of it. And that's why it's something that will always kind of stick there. It's, we don't, we don't want to be violent. People don't want to go to war. War is terrible and war sucks, but 
people have to, regardless of whatever, regardless of what your opinion on the current wars and stuff like the situation, people have had to in the past. And you're grateful that there are people who are actually willing to do that. And there's people who are able to handle that. So I, I always hate, always hate watching military movies where it's the standard trope. You can always tell a movie where somebody does a research and they don't do your research. And I appreciate movies like Saving Private Ryan that have done the research who are, I love that scene where Tom Hanks is sitting in there at the radar station. And Tom Hanks is like, I don't know how I'm going to tell my wife about days like this. And that's a a very humanizing. I think that movie alone could put civilians, if you will, in a position that veterans or, or soldiers see that particular situation in. Exactly. I, watching that movie, like I, I again, I've I've never served, wanted to, tried to get in, made it all the way to Mapston, and and then hearing from my friends what went on across the ocean, it was like maybe maybe it's okay that I didn't go. You know, it's just it. But then seeing that movie, it was like. I feel for the characters. I feel that they are there and I feel that I'm there with them. And that's, that's hard. That's, it, it is. This, is, this is getting sentimental. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard. Cause like you said, war happens. It, there, these people, it's been going on since the beginning of time. It's never been different. It's not necessarily necessary, but maybe it is. I don't know. I, I'm not God figure. Well, also, it's interesting. It's tra- it, it struck me as an interesting trope. This seems to be something we always see. And while some tropes, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna take place. This is simply what it is. Um, if violence is the way that we're able to say, you know, we can connect to the soul, we can connect violence to the soldier to get the audience to connect to the soldier for the benefit of the story. I understand that. I think it's a little it's kind of short i think it's a kind of a little sad that that's pretty much what they're relegated to especially you know given the the role of our servicemen and women of our veterans in society the things that they've done for us the sacrifices they have made i wish it was a little bit better especially in horror films um i think that the, i think it's just kind of one of those oh dang i wish i wish there were a, there were a better trope instead of just justifying oh they were a soldier let's show them in violence because that's what that's what they're about you know that's what it's connected to i know it's a large part of who they are and that will never change. But, you know, for once, I, I wish they didn't have to go in that direction. But you know, as, as far as the storytelling, uh, kind of a storytelling tool. Yeah, it's it's the, the, fact that majority, the fact that the majority films aren't written by veterans. And so they get so all they see is the outside. They may have a friend who is a veteran or you just hear a story, watch YouTube videos, whatever on it. And they're like, oh, well, I want somebody who oh, they're trouble this way, or I want somebody who's a badass and does this in either way. But they're just, they're just not... You can tell the movies that are written by veterans or people who have experienced, like, say, Apocalypse Now, um, but most aren't. So they're outside looking in. And the thing about being a veteran, even regardless of war and all that kind of stuff, just being a veteran is... You can tell people who are and people who are not. You can read all you want. You can watch the movies. You can watch the YouTube videos of boot camp and all this other kind of stuff. But I always use it in, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're a non-family podcast anyway. Being a, <laughs> being a veteran is like describing sex to a virgin. 
That's always it, that's, 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 that's exactly that's a fantastic way to put it. <laughs> that is that is an excellent way to put it. I come from a line yes. of vets. I come from an army family, and I, I didn't make it in because of medical reasons. I literally had a hip replacement when I was seventeen, uh, eighteen, and uh, and I couldn't get in. I felt so shitty because I couldn't get in, but then shit hit the fan. And I was like, I want to be there. And then I heard all the stories from everybody that came back, all my friends and everything. And I was like, man, that sucks. Like, I'm, I, I appreciate the veterans that went to war. I, I thank you for your service. But I, I would not, you know, it, it changes you. You're a different person when you come back. You know, it, Eugene, thank you for your service. I mean, well, this is this is always the story. The story I go back to, right? And so, because you'll get you'll get funny moments like this. So I was I was in Afghanistan, and I was in for R and R, and we That's were in this boardwalk area. <laughs> yeah, we had rest and relaxation a couple days, and so we were in like this boardwalk area, and there's like a subway and a Domino's and stuff like that. People walking around. Well, all of a sudden, we started receiving mortar fire. So you'll have the alarms start going off. You hear the booms as they're like walking them in and all this other kind of stuff. Hold on. People are hitting the deck left and right. This is, you're already talking about it. Like it's a normal fucking thing and it's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's a funny story. It's a funny story. So yeah. So, so mortars start coming in. So I go and I look at my Sergeant and my Sergeant is, we went to go order some lamb kebabs and my Sergeant's yelling at the kebab guy. Because the kebabs are run to a bunker, and my sergeant wants his fucking lamb kebab. <laughs> and so, like, he's like, so he's like, you know, I need to go, I need to go, all this other kind of stuff. And it's, and it's like broken English. And he's like, that, I'm still fucking hungry. You run a bunker, he's gonna put a fucking lamb kebab in my stomach. God damn it. Get him back and fucking make that shit. So, yeah, everybody else is hitting the deck and mortars and stuff like that are going alarms are going off. And, me and my sergeant, the only two Marines, were just standing there, like, "Yeah, yeah, we're we're just gonna get food." <laughs> the moral of the story is like, <laughs> "That's <I> wild." <laughs> <laughs> I died. What did we learn you here? Uh, what did we learn here? It's like J.K. Simmons and uh, Brian and Brian. Ben. It's J.K. Simmons and burn after and burn after reading. So what did we learn here? I have, I have no fucking clue. There. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. Feed the guys. I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, but food. Don't mess. Don't mess with Marines' food. That's crazy. And then we get to live in our fucking life over here, where we're just like, ew. I don't like the words that the person yeah. on the TV is saying. <laughs> yes. A uh, a big a big huge thank you a big huge shout out and thank you to all of our servicemen and women. Um, a lot of you are fans of Weekend Horror, and we really do appreciate everything that you sacrifice, everything you give for our country. So uh, all of our love to you guys out there. Currently, you know, you're overseas, currently deployed, currently on leave. Um, we appreciate everything you do. So all of them, absolutely. All of us here. And I actually go ahead and go to the CTA of. What is your favorite Grindhouse film? We, you know, we talked a lot, a lot about the Grindhouse style of it, of uh, VFW. And we talked about some others like Hobo with the Shotgun and Machete and Death Proof and Planet Terror. And obviously going back to a ton that released like in the 70s. So what is your favorite Grindhouse film? Definitely let us know in the comments or shoot us an email. Weekendhorror at gmail.com. Because Alex and he loves gets those emails. 
I do get them all. I get them all first, and I fucked up an announcement that we got over the email the other day because I read them all. <laughs> well, well, you, it was just just for us. We didn't spoil it to the audience. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what do we got next? Oh, oh it's my turn. Holy shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Alex. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's your turn, Alex. <laughs> uh, yay. All it's right, Alex's we're gonna go turn. to a totally different fucking venue here. Uh, I know. Normally, oh, yeah, our shit lines up. It's always you. like we've been talking about <laughs> themes and stuff. Today, it's not. Nope, <laughs> not even close. It's actually now puritism. No, it's literally <laughs> as far apart as you can get on each movie. So <laughs> let's talk about the Vavitch. <laughs> <laughs> The Vavitch. I don't understand. Is it actually the witch or is it the Vavitch? I think it was just stylized like that. Because just because the, the old English. Anyways. So. <laughs> the witch, February 2nd. February, February 2nd. February 19th. All right, Johnny. What, what now? <laughs> they, can't, they can't hear him. <laughs> Oh, they can't hear you. This is weird. Uh, awkward. It It is not Old English. Chill. It's German. I don't know how to diss you in this situation. All right. So we're talking about The Witch. February 19th, 2016. <laughs> this has gotten awkward. Uh, we're, we're directed by Robert Eggers, also written by Robert, Robert Eggers, uh, featuring, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Ineson, uh, Kate Dickle, Harvey Scrimshaw, Ellie Granger, Lucas Dawson, and a th- couple of Viv Moore was in this, which was cool. Vivian Moore. Um, this movie uh, was based in New England, 1630. Uh, we had a family with five children. Their newborn son goes missing mysteriously, and their crops start to fail. Uh, the family kind of turns on one another and this just turns into a puritanical terror horror story very quickly. Um, Not well received by a lot of people, but also very well received by the people who understood what was going on in that time. Mm -hmm. And goats. It is a goat. (laughs) It's a violent goat too. (laughs) There's a big, there's a a big, before before we even get started, this was the thing that like, I rewatched this because I've seen this movie like seven times now. Um, And it always bugged me because of the aspect ratio. And I didn't realize that they had shot it in 1.661, which is a rare aspect ratio for them to shoot in. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I think because, uh, a lot's like, and then you don't see a lot in like a 1.85, but 1.66 is not ever really shot in. I couldn't actually name another movie that was shot in 1.66. Well, yeah, because uh, the the aspect ratio is was uh, it helped to lend itself to the unsettling kind of like atmosphere or the unsettling yeah, experience. Yeah. Um, you don't often see, you know, obviously things don't often are, are things are rarely if ever made these days in that aspect ratio. So seeing it already. You're seeing uh, yeah, something seems off it real well. about, the, about the picture. Shrooms, is Shrooms shot in that too? Yeah. I think yeah, I had to look it up. That would be interesting. I'd have to look into that. So uh, one thing, uh, so this is, I really, really enjoyed The Witch. And I know it was an incredibly divisive film, and we will talk about that. Uh, the 
the freaking you know the how this really divided um both you know critics I'm sorry, and, uh, Garnett and the, the, the people who, and of course the audience just saw it so um i dug this one and you know we, we've always had the, we've thrown around the term intelligent horror uh another term coined by critics was elevated horror is what they refer to this one it's, it's the horror that kind of transcends the horror genre or the horror flick genre um i dug this one because the focus no. was not mm-hmm. on jump scares and it was not about, and it was it it, it was it, okay. It conveyed the environment of the puritanical set uh, of the sorry the puritanical the puritan settlers very very well. I get you. Oh, I got a real good feel. Like it, you know, sixteen thirties. They're coming here to New England. Uh, they're in New England. The family gets banished uh, from the from the colony. They have to go good out luck. and they have to, you know pretty much go out and live their own lives. They don't leave, uh, and, and you get a real sense of how fucking hard it was living you know living during that time everything because oh, yeah. they kept the production authentic everything that was on the set was working and it was and it was you know, from the time period so you're looking at the you're looking at just you know the 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 wilderness that was wilderness like deep untouched you know untamed wilderness that they were living next to in this small little area they got their farm going it's backbreaking labor every single day just to get food on the table so it's a brutal existence, especially when you're not a part of the major group. You're not like in the village. You're like out there by yourself. So and then, you know, they keep their faith with them. Their faith is very entrenched in everything they do. You know, and I love the old English language that the fact that they were speaking um, as they speaking as they spoke then. I thought it was a brilliantly made, beautifully made film. And it didn't rely on jump scares. It relied on the atmosphere itself, because if you just putting yourself in their shoes, living in that time. In and of itself, no witches involved, no supernatural shit involved. It, that it, shit would be fucking terrible. It really is because okay. you have to think about it. You're about the 1630s, so you got people who are coming over from England. So it, you're already in an unfamiliar continent, and do you, you weren't able yes. to do any research or anything like that? You didn't have a lot of people that are coming back. So you have the first English colony was around 1580, Roanoke, so 1585, somewhere around there. And they disappear completely, and so you you don't really have a lot. You don't really have a lot. So in the very beginning, when you have the colony, you had about a forty or forty to fifty percent mortality rate inside the colony within one year. So you're already looking. I usually had around about 100, 120 people. So 50 people died within the first year of just very starvation, all this other kind of stuff. The seeds you brought over don't work in American soil. You have Indians that are out there. You have you yeah. just you just have this area that's completely unknown. And that's why I really enjoyed about this film was because it is it used that unknown. We can go and go, okay, well, this is a forest here. This is a lake there. We know how far it is. We know how big this park is. No, to them, you land in a certain area and you just see trees. You have no idea how far that forest goes. You don't know what's in it. And, you know, chock full of animals, yeah. bears, wolves, uh, all manner, you know, all manner of things that you know, they could take your children, that could take you. You know, you could get lost. No, no, no maps, no way of sure, orientating you're from yourself. California, right? you know, th- it was a brute. And Eugene, you've yes. lived here your whole life. Yeah. All right. I was just wondering. I, I lived in Minnesota. There was bears and shit to take you every day. <laughs> uh, Man Devil says fifty percent death rate in the first year. Sounds like all my attempts at war <laughs> fortress. Yeah, that's goddamn right. 
Um, but yeah, but yeah, uh, just just the setting itself. You know, no witches involved, no supernatural stuff. And even then, the supernatural stuff was really kept to a minimum. It really, really was. You, uh, other than uh, obviously the climax, the ending, of course, when you know uh, Philip, when Black Philip shows up and it's like, holy shit, yo, it's the fucking devil. And it was right that that line was like, I, it was, she's like, I cannot write my name. It's like, I will, it was, I will guide your hand. That, oh yeah, that was kind of a chilling moment, you know, because you don't really see him. He's kind of behind. He's the influence. Thought it was brilliant done. Uh, when the goat <laughs> took out the dad, that was like because everybody else, everybody else, pretty much succumbed to whatever she has succumbed to insanity, succumbed, succumbed to fear, whatever. You know, end up killing themselves or getting themselves killed. The dad was like, "I'm holding on to the goat. Like, no, I'm gonna do this myself." <laughs> Bam! It just took the dad out. It's like, holy fuck. Uh, it's like, damn. But uh, I, I loved the depiction of life like that. And then you couple so. And then they, I think Eggers uh, captured it perfectly well. The you have an, you have the Puritan the Puritan faith, okay, oh, highly superstitious. You know, witches around every fucking corner. Shit. This is the shit that led to the Salem witch trials. All right. So you've got already the pervasive fear of the devil around every corner, and that was in London. That was in England. Then you bring it over here to the untamed wilderness of of the Northeast. Okay, you've got you know uh, indigenous America, indigenous Americans there, tribes that you they that are uncontacted by European settlers. You've got the wildlife. You've got no way of navigating. No, you know you don't know where their fucking resources are, and you've just been kicked out of the of the colony, kicked out of the village. Just that situation alone lends itself to abject terror almost every single day. Okay, and then. Couple that with the superstitious notion that there are demons and witches and things that will steal your children and you know, hiding around that 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 it drives them even further into their faith to the point that they almost destroy themselves trying to hold on to the thing. Yeah, ab- that absolutely. Them from because being at that destroyed. time, you had I think it was King James the first wrote a book about witches in like 1640s. So around that uh, that time period, and you have to realize, and so in the very beginning, when you exile somebody from your colony, that's a death sentence. That's like, we want to kill you, but we don't want to actually execute you. So you go out. And and back then the death was slow. Slow slow and painful. Are you kidding me? In the Northeast now, death is slow and painful. (laughs) Especially, especially when Boston doesn't make the world today. Actually, the East Coast is kind but not nice, and the West Coast is nice but not kind. And I never felt that more than in in the history of this movie because it's like people are kind but they're they're not nice listen shit sucks suck it up like you know we'll have your back but, but don't be a pussy you know he- and then you got jails where it's like yeah we love you and then they talk shit behind your back <laughs> yeah <laughs> what, what the hell what the hell can i do you know yeah. um uh, a shout out for that actress. I, I believe that Mandevil Mandevil is referring to Anya Taylor Joy, who is fantastic. She was excellent in this film. Um, her, the, you've been trying to imagine the struggles of a 16 year old girl in a Puritan in a Puritan society. Okay, a, a, a devastatingly Puritanical father. 
All right. And she has worldly desires. She has desires to come into herself, to come into her sexuality, to come into her own power of independence, of, you know, of being her own person, of, of, of realizing her own identity. And of course, in the Puritan faith, all of this gets shut down. You have a patriarchal society. Women know their place. Women stay in their place. And of course, because God and her father and her faith cannot supply that which she desires so badly, of course, Satan comes sneaking in, or talking, talking to her, like whispering to her directly. And of course, the the witches represent everything that the Puritans stand against. They, they their murderous liberation and acceptance of themselves and a full expression of themselves, whereas the Puritans are all about repression, keeping everything bottled in. And so I love the dichotomy between the two and how the that what the Puritans and also the depiction that what the Puritans used to protect themselves is what opened them up to destruction is that they they repressed so hard that it made them weak to attack. And I love I love that that play there. And of course, th- there wasn't a lot of uh, until she's naked and floating in the fucking air. There wasn't a lot of supernatural there, shit in this movie. But there's not. Okay? It comes down to demonic Literally movies, could have been naked women. Demons aren't necessarily supernatural. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As, as far as we knew, that's, it was a bunch of women just running around that's, naked in the woods. It doesn't matter. That's what that was I love it. about <laughs> demonology and a shit like that. It's, it's not super supernatural. It's not ghosts and demons. People don't need to be flying around. It doesn't need to be shit like moving. It, it's fucking demons. It's hell. It's like... Yeah. I thought I thought they I thought the old woman that's what it is. That was that, that was a pretty fucking scene. Fucking long time since from the sixteen hundreds where it was like it was that weird fucking okay, I believe in this thing and I'm gonna do weird shit because of it. it uh, dude, I love supernatural, but some of the stuff they touch on is like it, it's closer than any of the stuff that you see in like modern demon movies. Sorry, I, you're going to get me started on demonology, and that's not a good idea. Yeah. One thing, one thing that I challenge, I challenge um, anybody who has it or has it. It's been a while since they've seen the since, since they've seen the or seen the film. When you go back and watch it, really, really listen to the amb- to the ambiance. Okay, listen to the ambient sounds. The way the the way the exterior world was captured, especially after they've been after they've been kicked out, they're they're living on the farm, they're doing their thing. If you listen to the sounds themselves, there's a lot of shit in there. Of course, we, we, we everything on film is so stark because you've got the backdrop of nature, of just untamed nature, and then you've got the 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 stark colors of the Puritan faith. You know, you know, blacks and whites, and not not you know, not a lot of grays and browns, but just very much boom. This is the way it is, and the the way they contrast to each other is is really really brilliant. And then, of course, the witches themselves. Um, definitely can form more of their color palettes to nature itself. The colors, the way they shot the cinematography, and of course the 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 sound design on this were that's, absolutely stunning. Regardless of how much that's how it immersed yourself in that time period. And that's something that's actually really hard to do with a lot of films is really, really go and like put yourself in that position and the fact that everything's authentic, because he had so many historical advisors come out in it to really sell that time, because he knew that was the tipping point of the film. He had to sell the 1630s, and he does. Yeah. Now, despite the fact that we've heaped a ridiculous amount of praise on this film as far as its technical capacity and, of course, the acting, I thought the, the acting was fantastic. The writing was brilliant. Um I know the film was ultimately very, very divisive. People watched this thing 
and either absolutely adored the film for what it was saying for all of its themes, for its depiction of life in that time, and it, and it was just brilliant. But then there were people that really fucking hated this movie. I, I've never met somebody who was lukewarm on The Witch. It was like, ah, eh, I thought it was okay. You know, it, it had some good moments, you know, like, yeah, whatever. People either loved or hated this shit. And uh, I think the most of the majority of the people that I d- discovered who hated it was predominantly because of the language. Yeah, I oh. I like to consider this if we're gonna if we're gonna have like intelligent horror as the new genre, then this is either the first or proto. <laughs> and well, the, the reason yeah. I say that is because when you have a launching point for a new genre, usually the first film is really decisive. So if you take say zombie films and you look at Carnival of Souls, so Carnival of Souls is like proto zombie. They're not full zombies yet. And Carnival yes. Souls is a really dis- a divisive film. People praise it and base their films off of it, and other people can't even stand and watch it. And so with The Witch, I think it's, first of all, your expectations. If you're looking for a really big supernatural horror, it's not going to lead up to it. But if you go into it with kind of an open mind, those were the people that actually really liked it on it. But it, you're right. It's something, if you're looking for the ring and insidious or something like that. Yeah. You're not, it's, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get these jump scares. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, there, there's not really super gore or anything like that. But if you want a, if you want to look at how to establish an atmosphere in a movie, that's a masterclass in that. And I like to shout out to, it was like, things like the middle son who, when he had that two minute take, on that monologue as he was lifting up and then laid back down. Fucking incredible moment. <laughs> yeah. Incredible yes. on it. But you're right. It's it's decisive. I know, like I said, I know people who love it. I know people hate it. But see, that right there is a sign of a impactful film because most films that come out, people are apathetic. So it's like, a, eh, it's what... Uh, and then a year later not bad for his first movie not bad for his first movie and he follows it up well too um but good yeah the layout with the way yeah the the lighthouse lighthouse, (laughs) but yeah it's this making a film that's going to be impactful making a film that people are going to be talking about 10 years later and people will be talking about this film 10 years later absolutely definitely yes oh man the, the fucking lighthouse man that one that, that that one was a bit was a bit shaky. That shook me up a little bit. There was there was some fucking <laughs> Lovecraftian weirdness and all kinds of just Willem Dafoe. Just okay, I was absolutely stunned by William by Willem Dafoe's monologue in the lighthouse. He has that he has yep. that monologue where the camera is slowly pulling into him when he's going off. He's telling the story. Uh, I was I was captivated. I was just like inching closer to the screen. That that scene was so incredible. Um, sorry, man, devil. No lighthouse spoilers. I will let no, you. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We won't. We won't spoil anything. It. That's the whole thing. The lighthouse. Uh, we should we should do like an extra on that movie just because of how insane it was. It was it was, it was pretty damn it was pretty damn amazing. So. But but yeah, uh, crazy crazy how divisive this film was. Um, that the, you know, even the critics were divided on it. But overall, I think people loved it. Uh, but those who didn't love it uh, really voiced their displeasure with it. Either it was because of the language, or it was because of, the de- of maybe it was the depiction of how women were treated in it, or uh, who knows. But or maybe it was just the fact that it didn't have any jump scares. A lot of people said that it wasn't scary. Like this movie's not scary at all. 
It's like, ah, well, you got to look at it from this, mm-hmm. from this point of view. You have to look at it from the storytelling of the situation of like where they're at, what time period is it in? And people are like, oh, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be supernatural shit. And like, you know, like, you know, rich witches like ripping people open and taking the organs out. No, and casting you spells have stuff. To, it's like, it doesn't have to be that way. It can literally be you have to a immerse human, yourself human in the time period. Is what this was. This was a horror movie. And see, I think pe- yes. people have become accustomed to films feeding everything to them, and so a lot of people are like, "Well, it needs to be jump scares. It needs to be stuff like this." It was like, no. That's the thing about intelligent horrors is we give you enough, but you still have to think and pay attention to what's actually going on instead of just constantly like, well, we're just going to reveal everything eventually. And this is all the stuff. This is what you should be thinking about. It's like, no, use your fucking brain and think. I think that's the hardest part. And even jail, we were talking the other day about how like you, you think about the underlining messages and stuff. That's what it takes to be a horror fan. A horror is you say intelligent horror, but all horror is intelligent. It can be scary. It can be the jump scares. It can be all that, like, you know. Well, I don't know, man. Brian <laughs> Chucky wasn't exactly intelligent. That's what I'm talking about. There's films out there made for the <laughs> see. This is live, and there's people watching. Made for the not so intelligent horror fan. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means that. It just means you're there. No, 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 no. The new term is elevated it horror. It's so the unelevated the horror, and that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. You can have those That's movies. True. But when it comes to stuff like this, this is what we're here for. This is the reason that we got together as a group because it's these movies that like we have to sit and we have to break down. We have to talk about it like, yo, it, you got to look at the situation. It, 1630s, everything sucks already. Throw a fucking goat in the mix and it's terrifying. yeah man devil would like to say jump scares are fine if we are jumping along with the main character to feel their feelings but jump scares of stuff the character didn't see just pisses him off and i I can agree with that oh yes it's for it's for little wolf poultry guys (laughs) not in the chicken dead is not (laughs) an intelligent horror film wait a second can we talk about this scene okay demonic okay (laughs) puppet master versus demonic toys was not an intelligent horror film. I mean, yeah. You know, oh, wow. I mean, Corey Feldman <laughs> as Angel. <laughs> Those like, really like talking so. about jump scares. <laughs> I was watching, because I, you know, I watch a lot of film channels and stuff like that. And uh, really? one filmmaker was, oh, I know. But one was breaking down, he was like, jump scares is not fear. Jump scare is surprise. True fear can be something True. completely different. And then he showed a scene from, I was like, uh, there's a, uh, Asian film like Hario or something like that where the ghost comes out from under the stairs and it's not a jump scare but it was terrifying it was really terrible Terrify, terrifying terrifying is being hung upside down are you talking by about terrifying are you talking about and then him flashing a rusty a rusty hacksaw <laughs> You know, in front of uh, like, yeah, we're gonna do this. Terrifier is probably one so, of the fucking scariest movies ever. I know, dude. I can't no, wait for the I second Terrifier dude. That's gonna be Terrifier so rough. Dude, I, it, I love it. 
So, uh, so I agree. I agree. Sarcasm horror is the ultimate social commentary. What we fear does define us. We have always said, uh, we've always, I've always, we've always had the mentality here that, that the horror genre is the most important genre. Number one, because it is, oh, we've always seen horror as kind of like the barometer for the anxieties of society. That the things that we fear, the things that make us anxious, there will always be movies to movies for us to watch that allow us to expel that, to basically um, to vent uh, that 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 fear. Okay, to um, as a catharsis. That that is very very important for society. And it, even back when horror was just in books, people would read that to have these experiences and alleviate themselves of the terror of. Of what of what was going on in society at the time, like if you take Shelley's Frankenstein, when she sat down to write that um, on that stormy night with you know when all those writers got together on a dark and stormy night to write a scary to write a scary story, and she wrote Prometheus, uh, the modern Prometheus. When she wrote that at the time, electricity uh, the the electricity was a new phenomena. Okay, so you had Tesla, you had Edison, you had the the rise in this kind of power. And so the idea that, you know, and then, of course, the idea, the very early scientific idea that humans are electric, that we are electric, that we run electrical impulses. The brain sends electrical impulses down through the body, and, you know, that's how the body communicates with itself. The idea that you could use electricity to animate a body was something completely new. But it was it was the advent of this new technology. New technology is always kind of scary. You don't know what's going to happen with it. Nuclear nuclear war. You know, like what were the after effects of nuclear war? We got giant monster movies in the fifties because of nuclear because of nuclear bombs. We got Godzilla because of nuclear bombs. So there, you know, we've always seen it. You know, the horror genre will always follow what's going on and that's why we love it so much that's why it is so important that's why it's also the most flexible yep. because people will always be scared of shit you know whether it's ghosts or witches or demons or or you know serial killers or you know whatever you're always going to find something All right. hey, I gotta especially the innocuous because i gotta pull this fucking sweatshirt off real quick it's the hottest fuck yes. in this garage all right audience did you enjoy the witch <laughs> if you didn't we know you're not into intelligent horror and we cannot communicate. <laughs> i'm just kidding did you enjoy the film did you enjoy the film that's and fucked if you up, did dude. enjoy the film what were the aspects of the film that you did enjoy specifically i want to know those uh and if you did not tell me why you did not enjoy those specific situations let us know in the comments we can horror gmail.com. I'm about to take my shirt off. Hold on. Oh yeah. Onlyfans.com. Well, I mean, you're not okay. You're you're good to go. I, don't <laughs> I hope not. All right, let's jump to our let's uh let's jump to our final film. We have one more to get through, and I know everybody in the chat has been chomping at the bit since they saw the description. Uh, but yeah, released February 19th, 1993. We had Army of Darkness. Yes, directed by Sam Raimi and written by Sam Raimi and Ivan Raimi, his brother, and starring, of course, Ashley J. Ashley J. Williams, uh, Bruce Campbell, man, and <laughs> okay, <sure. laughs> uh, no, it should, no, it should be fun. Uh, starring, uh, oh, it'll piss oh, off sure. all the uh, the flat earthers out there. Uh, starring Bruce Campbell and M. Beth Davids. 
um, and a host of other small actors, but all of them magnificent. Uh, the third entry in the Evil Dead trilogy, and obviously the funniest of the three. So uh, what can I say? Uh, Ash finds himself at the end of Evil Dead 2. Ash is sent back in time. He goes through the portal and he winds up in uh, medieval never, times. Oh, just don't tell you. Never tells you what year it is. He ends up... <laughs> He ends up, yeah, he ends up getting captured and he ends up getting thrown into a well. And then uh, um, after proving that he is a hero and the destined one that the book foretold, that the Necronomicon foretold would come and, you know, know, save them from evil. um, As he's attempting to get back, you know, to use the Necronomicon Necronomicon to get back home, he becomes embroiled in a war between the Deadites and, of course, the uh, the people of the castle that are helping him, uh, a war that he himself actually caused. Because why? Klaatu Verata <laughs> Okay. All right. <laughs> I fucking love that scene. I really do. Well, I said the words yes, now. So I'll Bruce the book. Campbell. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Man, the chat got weird, huh? So, um, I, now something very, very something I always thought was really, really cool is the is the the arc of this of this trilogy. Now, obviously, we we have more. We have because we have Ash vs. Evil Dead continues on in the classic vein of Sam Raimi, and then uh, of course the Evil Dead remake. But the original trilogy, Evil Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, and Army of Darkness. So. Evil Dead was straight horror. A little bit of comedy peppered in there just to lighten it because otherwise it would have been really, really heavy. But, I mean, come on. That was straight horror. Ash puts his, you know, his girlfriend's head in the vice and, like, mm-hmm. fucking hits with the chainsaw and shit. God, come on. Um, and then Evil Dead 2. Obviously, more com- that was a horror comedy. You know, you know you, it's got to be comedy. You know, Ash is losing his mind. He's going crazy. He's laughing his ass off in the free in the middle of the room when the objects in the, in the cabin are laughing at him. The deer's head. Ah, you know, shit like that. Yeah, when the when the fucking chairs are laughing at you, that's that's hilarious. That's objectively funny. But this one was all funny. This was a comedy. Yeah, it was a it was a comedy horror. There were some horror <laughs> elements. There, you know, I'll swallow your soul. <laughs> it's all terrible. There was okay. Then, then you can say there was some. There was some, <laughs> <laughs> there was some horror elements to this film, but it's part of the Evil Dead trilogy. But this was mostly a fucking comedy. I know some people that thought there was some scary stuff, like the, 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 you know, like obviously the Army of the Dead, although they were done comedically because they're like talking to each other, like Larry Moe and Curly and shit. And there's just a lot of goofiness in it, but there were some good moments. You found the beautiful one, maybe <laughs> you got real lucky. <laughs> so, but it is, oh, it's, shit this was is a, it goes full comedy, and it's really interesting because it to me it kind of worked. It was it kind of to the way we see Ash Williams today, because as you carry on through uh, like Ash versus the evil dead, it makes sense. So instead of getting somebody like say Ellen Ripley, which the alien, the alien franchise straight horror, just straight horror. And Ellen Ripley is serious the entire time. We get somebody that is fun that we can root for. And I think going comedy was a great move because it made Ash Williams stay. Like that—that that was what like because yes. Evil Evil Dead the first one the super low budget Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell found a cabin in the woods that was missing a wall, and they're like let's film them let's make a movie here yeah. and that's the that's the cabin <laughs> that you get on it and 
it showcases a bigger stage, obviously a much bigger budget than the first two Evil Dead. And it was it was a great ending of the franchise, but I like it because it was not an ending that you would expect. You would expect them to go back to the cabin. You would expect uh, present day. And it's like a, we're just going to throw some shit out. We're in a medieval world. We got the Necronomicon. We got skeletons tagging castles. Let's fucking do it. And it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, Sir Little Wolf. He's fighting duty and Bruce Campbell is so fucking great. And I, I love I love this. I love this. Oh, when he's talking about you, he's summing up the events he got in my hand. Hardware all 12. My name is Ash. And I'm slave. <laughs> Dude, okay, yes, the boomstick monologue. He starts talking about it, and everybody's like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> like, and they're like, look, like, wow, this is a good sales pitch. And, and, and in honor of this, I had to wear it. So I don't know how well people see it, but this is my, I, this is my uh, shop smart, <laughs> you shop got it? smart shirt. So I had to. Uh, Yes, I had to wear that shit. So I have, yeah, shop smart, shop that smart. <laughs> yeah, got that. yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got it, we got it, we got it. I love that, and I love that moment when he's like, "Okay, for that, uh, for that, you must die." He pulls out his freaking sword. And he plays that fucking sword with his shotgun, and it was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> oh, but nothing was funny. I mean, the movie was it was objectively hilarious, and it had all these great moments. In it, especially the London Bridge <laughs> is falling down. <laughs> that shit was great. But the funniest was the fight in the well. When they throw him in the well, and, and I had, I had, I don't think I'd seen a slapstick fight in it. She hits him in the face so many times. <laughs> that fucking monster had arts. <laughs> just whack, 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 whack. <laughs> And then, of course, the skeleton hands in the graveyard. The skeleton <laughs> hands in the graveyard was fantastic. That's how you know. I mean, always, always yeah, That's obviously, objectively. That's how you get it going. Oh, man. <laughs> so, but, but we see, but we see a bunch of horror films. Horror films will do this that they'll start out straight horror and they'll Name move three. towards comedy. And, it, and, some, and oftentimes it doesn't work. Uh, Blade did it. Trinity, because um, Blade, 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 Blade three was Blade three, three was way more horror comedy. films that did it immediately. <laughs> like Dale versus. Uh, we mean did it immediately. Uh, 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 fuck. Don't fuck me. I don't even belong here. Just keep going. <laughs> anyway, so we see a lot, but it but it doesn't but it doesn't often. Horror films will move towards comedy. Very, Leprechaun was uh, move towards comedy very very quickly. Uh, Leprechaun. Yeah. And uh, Critters as well. Critters was another one that moved towards comedy that that, that jumped into that arena. And for some reason, obviously, it, it doesn't often work. Okay, where they put the comedy ahead of time. In fact, Critters actually hit it early. They did it in Critters too. That was more comedic. Scary movie. First one. Um, yeah, it's coming from this, the get-go. Are you yeah, talking about tail? Comedy from the start. Uh, <laughs> Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Yeah, but let's. Dale and uh, Tucker versus <laughs> Evil. That's the fucking. Sort of little, I'm not with the. <laughs> Sir Little Wolf, Sir Little Wolf. I'm not with this asshole. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think they'll listen to you. <laughs> I don't think they're going to listen to you, lad. But the absolute, uh, the, the, I think it was solely Bruce Campbell that, made, that, that made That's this survive. The, the reason that this exists. 
But I, I, okay, whatever. But yes, I think it's so. It was solely because of Bruce Campbell that we still have Evil Dead today. That they can make that transition to full comedy, and then of course Ash versus Evil Dead twenty years later to reel it back in and go. Oh, it was almost gone mm-hmm. twenty five years later, almost thirty years later. The real back to kind of like Evil Evil Dead Two status, where it's a combination of horror, a little bit of drama, and a whole lot of comedy. So I think. So I mean, solely upon the power of the chin, the the power of Bruce Campbell. I mean, he made these movies. I think he was one of the best aspects of Burn Notice. Uh, the movies he's done have been The Man with the Screaming Brain, yes. um, Bubba Hotep. Uh, there's, I mean, there's, I mean, he's unique in uh, that's it. I mean, that's the man right there. And you know, I'd loved his little pop ups in the, in uh, Raimi's Spider Man films. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for Bruce Campbell, I don't think that well, this because on top of that, you talk about. Thank you, Johnny. Yes, Dylan Tucker versus Evil was the best. Yes. Oh, that, that movie's that movie's awesome. But the thing, so the thing with a lot of the franchise you, you mentioned earlier in terms of going comedy, I think the reason they don't work is because you don't have that enduring main character that follows through. A lot of times it's just a villain. So you take like Leprechaun in space. Well, it's just a leprechaun. Everybody else is new versus you already got somebody to root for and that somebody that has a comedic timing. And with Bruce Campbell, there's so many Bruce Campbell or the Ash Williams is perfect because he has that just that right amount of cockiness. He has that comedic timing. And there's so many little things like I love the moment where he shoots the witch uh, after like in the cold. And she shoots the witch <laughs> and he like shoots her behind back. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. just little things like that. Well, that, that goes to the, that's the progression of the character because he's been through this shit twice already. Okay, when she falls down, it's like, uh, she falls down, and then, you know, the, the, lead, the lead night dude is like reaching to, to, and of course, and then he's like, Stop, it's like, stop, it's a trick, get an axe. He's like, God, he's like, it's a trick, grab an axe. It's like, Oh, and yeah, of course, you know, then uh, what was it, the spin kicks with the shotgun blast? It's fucking amazing. Oh man, and no one can reload the shotgun with jail, one hand. Jail. Can we like Ash so Williams? We just we just launched yeah. our uh, our our new T-shirt, and we talked about the horror uh, icons that we wanted to be represented by, right? Okay, so yes, so it's it's the five of us. It's it's uh, the three of us, Johnny, and it's uh, the four of us in the cast and right. Angela. And it's, in, it's a in, fantastic uh, fucking design. I love it. I was brilliant. Yes, Joshua Olson did it. He really outdid himself. I just gave him the idea stupid, that we wanted this, and that's what job. he came up with. I'm getting the as soon as you can pull up yeah. a sticker, I'll put it on my truck. I got the new. Uh, I've got our our, our uh, weekend horror podcast sticker up on my truck now. Um, I I, I want to know. The only reason that I didn't pick Ash was because I didn't know if that counted as a horror icon. Yeah, I was good. I was good. Yeah, I was, he is a and that, was, that was my Absolutely. first choice, and that's why, like, I was like, I, I was kicking myself afterwards because I was like, "Is, is that the deal?" Because absolutely, one hundred percent, this is this is my guy, and so I, I just didn't know. And and later on, I'd like to be represented as him. I'm just putting it on the record <laughs> for the, for the next shirt. <laughs> well, to, well, to be honest, to be honest, I think the choice you made was good oh, because of the space on the T-shirt. You were represented. You you represented by Ghostface. We gave you the joint oh, because that mean, symbolizes you. And so, I, although a lot of people, a lot, of, I haven't done that in a long time. But 
That's only because I'm trying to get a job. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I run my own, I run my own company. But, but, <laughs> but seriously, look at but look, but I, I thought I thought it worked out because it's trying to be Ash. Ash is, I mean, obviously, you know, you could do like the, the big ass chin, you know, and, and, but you need the chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. that's the number one thing. You gotta have the chainsaw. I was trying to make the space, and yeah, but that was honestly that was my first choice. Just to throw it out. Oh, so Sir Little Wolf says, "Of course, Ash is an icon. Ooh. Give us your horror card." Hold on, scroll uh, back shame. up. Was that? Oh no, that was Man Devil. Never mind. Man Devil said that he would pay for a, an OnlyFans where I was sleeping. And you know what? Honestly, if that's the truth, PM me anywhere, and we can get that set up. I will set up a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we uh, I think we could definitely we can definitely thank Bruce Campbell for this. Um, unfortunately, after I think he said uh, after he hung up or after he finished uh, Ash versus Evil Dead season three after it was canceled, which was a goddamn shame because yeah. uh, they had to, they kind of had to rush it was just the a ending. Shit production it was a bummer. Yeah, yeah, it was just fucking rough as hell. But I mean, it was a de- it was a decent it was, it, it, it was rushed, yes. But I dug up the end, and we know that the adventure in our in our head canon, uh, we know that the the adventures of Ash will continue on, and of course there will there will be more Evil Dead. There's another Evil Dead movie coming out. Now Ash has hung up the chainsaw, unfortunately. So the legacy of Bruce Campbell yeah. as Ash has kind of ended. Now the series set it up that he had a daughter, and his daughter may follow in his footsteps. Um, there was rumors that he that he may reprise the role of Ash, but not do any of the the craziness. As a possibility in the future, I don't know, but I think you know, like like Robert England has hung up the gloves, and uh, I think Bruce Campbell has hung up the chainsaw. I, I don't think we're going to see him as Ash in the future, like you know, performing as the character anymore. Um, before we ju- uh, yeah, before we jump to the to the CT, I, I'm really curious for the for the for the this enduring legacy of Evil Dead. Sure. Who could take over the role? Is there an actor that can fill those shoes? Uh... Mia, no, that's like no, Mia, Mia from the 2013. Oh, it should continue. Yeah, her I, would, I would see another movie with her in it. <laughs> Man Devil says, When I saw Boba Hotep, I actually thought Bruce had aged that badly <laughs> and I felt sad. Now he's like 10 years old. Now he's like 10 years older than me and looks 10 years younger. <laughs> well, uh, I will admit, he, he looked like shit. In Bruce Campbell got the last laugh. <laughs> Shit, we got manned up. Yes, he did. PM yes, he did. Which platform? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's going to be a surprise. So uh, I'm, I'm really curious. I, I, I'm curious as who is going to pick, who's going to pick up, who's going to step into the shoes and pick up the reins. Maybe we'll get another Evil Dead trilogy. That'll be really, really awesome. But uh, for those in the audience, uh, let us know. Uh, CTA, we want to ask, what is your favorite installment of Evil Dead? The first one, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness. Was it the series itself? Because the series was fucking amazing. Yeah. Lucy Lawless was off the chain in that. Uh, you know, Bruce Campbell was just absolutely perfect in everything he did. Fucking reading the love, the, the Necronomicon <laughs> is love poetry. That shit was funny as fuck. And of course, uh, everybody in that was was uh, magnificent. And uh, I, also the remake. The remake was fantastic. I recently showed that uh, Alien X Gaming saw that movie for the first time in the theater on our discord so if you are not in our discord 
hit that though. We have the link is in the description. Uh, so definitely check that out. We we show movies in there. We have a lot of fun in our Discord. So um, Alien X Gaming saw the Evil Dead remake for the first time, and every like I should you not. So we're like chatting. I created a little like theater like like theater chat so people could talk to each other while they're watching the movie. And like every five minutes, he's like. He's texting, he's like, messaging, what the fuck? I was like, oh, dude, it's it gets worse. It's going to get so much worse. <laughs> it just escalates, dude. Everybody's like, ah! until finally, at, at the, I know he was just slack jawed when Mia's got that fucking chainsaw and just drives like, this motherfucker. <laughs> or swallow this, swallow this motherfucker and just jams it down the, the Man, abomination. Dude, no, you were kidding. Fuck. Show up. But yeah, we... Mandel says Evil Dead 2 is his favorite. Sir Little Wolf, Sir Little Wolf favored Army of Darkness. Sir Chasm says the original, the first Evil Dead. Um, what a plot hole. What a shitty sequel of a major horror franchise referenced the book of the dead. What shitty sequel of a major horror franchise referenced the book of the dead? Wait, did we already see TA? No. Okay. Yeah, oh, okay. I, 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 did, I did the CTA. Yeah, what was their favorite uh, favorite Evil Dead entry? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, what shitty sequel of a major horror franchise referenced the... I'm assuming the Necronomicon right. is what you're referring to. This is the question. They call it the book of the dead. What do we get? Yeah, what do we get, plot hole? Respect is over. Respect, he says. People can't hear when he comes in. No, people cannot hear Johnny when he pipes in. Right. It's like we're talking to a ghost. No, no, don't do that. Jessica G, fire away. Don't fucking do that. <laughs> Don't fucking do that! <laughs> oh fuck, dude! We got some. We got some. Oh birthdays, yes, we do. Man. Yes, we, we do. Birthdays. All right. So we'd like to take a moment to wish happy birthday to the creeper himself, Jonathan Breck, whose birthday is February seventeenth, nineteen sixty-five. And we like to remember legendary German actor Dieter Laser who was born February 17th, 1942, and passed away February 29th, 2020. Just in time to see two major fucking downfalls of the United States. Yeah. Man, dude, uh, fucking, okay, number one, Jonathan Breck, you know, just rocking it as the Creeper. Horror, you know, he's done three three movies as a, a horror icon. Fucking love the Creeper. Um, I really hope we get that fourth one. I really hope we, you know, we get the, I, the way Jeepers, Jeepers Creepers Creep, uh, sorry, Jeepers Creepers 3. Hey, say that, say that 10 times. Right Jeepers Creepers 3 was, uh, wasn't great. It, 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 I mean, I like the storyline. I like the storyline. It wasn't fantastic though. I, it, mm-hmm. it was shot on the cheap. It had to be. So hopefully, but there was a lot of, of fucking loose ends in that. I want a, I want closure to that fucking story. So hopefully, Jonathan Breck says they're working towards the fourth one. They're bringing actors back from the from the first film, so you know, to keep it, you know, to, uh, to keep the continuity going. So I really hope we get a conclusion on that one. And of course, Dieter Laser, who had a magnificent and very long career, but I think everybody in America knows him yeah. as yep. the evil doctor from the Human Centipede. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. And you know, I got very lucky in my in my press days, and I got to meet Dieter. And despite the fact that he was a very accomplished actor, especially in German in Germany, he had a story. He had a very long career, 
uh, both the television and in film. He was okay with only being known as the evil as as the uh, the evil doctor in Human Centipede. He was cool with that because he fucking loved that role. He absolutely adored it. And I think it spoke to his style of acting in, in German expressionism and the kind of weird artsy stuff that came out of Germany in the 20s and the 30s. Um, the things that, you know, the, the weird experimental shit, because he very much went in that direction with kind of like a contemporary uh, spin on it. But it spoke to him. Yeah, you know, double says human centipede versus society <laughs> itself. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I I thought he was amazing. I, I actually the, it was not the first thing I saw him. I saw him in an episode of the who remembers the sci-fi pseudo. Oh my god! Oh yes. yeah! Oh. I yes, weirdo that he was in an episode of Lex. That was a weird fucking. Yeah, yeah, was come, a on. come on, dude. The the fucking in you that like, you think about the age of the age that we were watching it. All the innuendos yeah. in that show. Fuck yes, <laughs> that's like a show that, that like every it. like everybody seen um, but no one talks about. It's yeah. just like, did you watch it? Nope, I don't know what you're talking about. I nope. know, right? So really, really fucking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was it. You're going to be the middle one. No, I don't want to be in the middle. Um, but definitely. Uh, Dita Laser was an incredible, incredible character actor. He let, I mean, he was in all three. Well, no, he was the first one in the third one of the Human Centipede trilogy. He wasn't in the second. Second one was fucking disgusting as shit. Especially since they just they they just released the colorized version of the second one, which for some reason makes it even worse. <laughs> if that's possible. So nonetheless, but you know, Dieter Laser, he was amazing. Uh, uh, we miss him, but he has a huge body of very weird work. Definitely check his shit out. All right, man. Uh, Alex, Holy shit, it's I'm time a, for the I'm fucking podcast. Sometimes I look I know at this every, and I'm like, every, oh, every, shit, every, this every, cool podcast that I'm watching. And it's like, hey, Alex. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. No, that's your wife's job. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I'm gonna, look, I know. All right, I know everybody's been clamoring for the There is something trivia. that I'd like to announce before we, uh, before we go to the closing plugs, JL. After the trivia question, there is something I'm going to throw out there that I have not passed mm-hmm. by you, and you're going to hit me for it, but I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. So we're going to do the trivia question first, and then I'll get to that. All right. But first. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Alex has kind, kind of. Just don't worry about it. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to hate <laughs> you for it, but don't worry about it. It's because I know you hate surprises, but we're, we're pushing this podcast, and, and – yeah, we're gonna do, the do that. first. Actually, first up, <laughs> let's show the audience what they're gonna win if they get this trivia question right. I hope everybody can see it. Like Apparently, mega I'm all fucking pixelated and shit. But I gave a preview. I gave a preview um, on Johnny on Johnny O's stream last night on the plot hole. Uh, but this is the uh, limited edition. This was the Walgreens exclusive Funko Pop of Bella Lugosi as Dracula, God, part of the Universal Monsters so storyline. And so. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's so bad. I, I don't know if they can really Lugosi see that. Funko but uh, you know, it, it's a it's a Funko Pop. It's a Bill Lugosi Funko Pop, That's, and it's the limited edition one. It's the it's the I like the I like exclusive versions because they're variants. I like I just dig those better. And so, no, it's not. Uh, but we will be sending this to the winner of our oh, trivia question. We got somebody tonight. in the chat named Math Pig that I've never seen before. Oh, Math Pig, the man! Hey, good to see you. Uh, 
You know what? Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for so much for stopping by. Uh, he's he is a he's a good friend that I met in, uh, as a part of the uh, the kind of like because I do you know atheist uh, debating it's like as a part of that community of that debate community. He is a major presence in that, and he's a very very one of the smartest debaters okay. I, I've you seen. Need to get on um, some of your an absolute blast to talk to. Even if the weekend horror doesn't, you know, even if you don't find me appealing here, atheism is going to be a good place for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you for stopping by, Math Pig. Holy shit, Man Devil! I I honestly misread that. I just glanced at the chat and I misread. I thought I thought you said, said Bone Tomahawk the yeah, musical, I hope. <laughs> and I was like, what the? Because because Bone Tomahawk has fucking cannibalism and like you know like cannibalistic natives and all you know and Kurt Russell with a giant you know mustache and I was like Bone Tomahawk the musical. What the? Fu-? <laughs> anyway. Trivia time. Let's do the trivia. I give these people what they want. They came here for free shit. Trivia question. Bella Lugosi's career spanned over 40 years. What was his final film performance? Again, Bella Lugosi's career spanned over 40 years. What was his final performance? Let us know in the comments. First one wins a Bella Lugosi pop-up phone. What? What what'd you call it? A Funko Pop. That's what a I said. It's a Funko Pop. No, I said it in tequila. No, it's you, a you Pop-o got like funk a... in tequila. Yeah. <laughs> a Popo <Yeah>. Funk? <laughs> <laughs> Man Devil is the winner. No, that's not no. It. no, no, no. Man no. Devil is no. Man Devil is not the winner. Sorry. No, that is close. That is archival footage. Is that is incorrect. Sorry, yeah, Charlie Welch. Apologies. Uh, with archival footage that was not a. It was archival final footage release. of a previous performance. Performance. His final performance. It's, that was the key words. Read, uh, okay, so uh, reading it again. Alex, Alex, read, it, read it again. Over forty years. What was his final film performance? Performance. His final film performance. Yes. Yes, the last film performance he was put was on camera, his final performance. Not archival. Yeah, unfortunately, Sir Plan, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space was archival footage of a previous Should I read it actually again? His hmm. final film performance. Performance. Why can't I get the yes. M right? Performance. Oh, yeah, we got one. Yeah, is Jinju, is Jinju the winner? Yeah. Read that again. Read it in the chat. In the chat, yeah, Tim Jones, Mandible, Odd. Oh, oh, Did you see that? Oh, so close, so so close. What that what? one hurts, that one hurts. He put the black sheep. Alex, read it. Oh shit! Oh, the black sheep. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Damn. Oh, you know what, Tina Jones? Oh, Tina Jones. Tina Jones. Yeah, it's the black sleep. She got it. The black sleep. I I couldn't. Oh man, just you. I am so sorry, dude. Oh, and you were man. so close. That was close. You were so close. Oh damn. I think I think that oh, um, yeah, it probably was autocorrect. 
autocorrect that got him. But congratulations, <laughs> Tina Jones, uh, oh, for knocking out of the park. Uh, man, you are so, I'm so, are you, you know what? You know what? You, I feel bad. I know. Like, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. I feel real. I feel, hang on. I feel bad. Okay. Tina Jones won the Funko Pop. But Jinju, I'm willing to think. Now, Tina Jones won the Funko Pop, but Jinju, I, I really I think need to know if it, it was probably an autocorrect. That, if it's on a phone or not. It is what? Oh, it's possible. Okay, it's okay, Jinju. Jinju, give us, send us your, your shipping information. Sh- send us your information. I've got something special for you. Okay? I'm, I, I, I feel so bad that you were so close. I'm going to throw you a little consolation prize. Okay, and I hope you're going to like it. It's going to be a little bit of a little. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a surprise. I hope you dig it. Uh, get us your information. I'm going to send you something. Tina Jones. However, you did win the Bella Lugosi Funko Pop. So I think I have your details. Um, I do. I'm going to double check. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Just to be, just to be on the safe side. Uh, Tina Jones, send me your details again because I'm actually compiling it for uh, for our uh, for uh, our uh, listeners, just so I know I have them in a database in one place. That way, I can give it to our shipping people, and I can always just reference back to you by name. So uh, send it to us again, weekendhorrorgmail.com. Just shoot us over to us, or you can just hit me on Discord. I know I know we're friends on Discord, so shoot me hit me there, and uh, we'll get uh, we'll get this uh, shipped out to you as quick as we can. Hopefully, it'll it'll be a shorter trip than the damn shirt was. And then, uh, Jinju, shoot me your stuff, too. I'm going to send you a little something. Um, because, man, autocorrect, that fucking sucks. So, yeah, both of you. Yeah, double winners. Boom. All right, here's That's the deal. I told you I was going to do something. Here it is. All right. <laughs> this pissed me off, Alex. <laughs> it's going to fuck you up. All right. So, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you're in this weekly chat right now. We're, we're talking right now. I haven't actually seen a lot of blue for a little while. Actually, no, not since the plot hole. You got Charlie, Sir Wolf, Brutus, and Jew. If you're a Patreon subscriber, we're going to set something up on our website in the next week. So we will have it set up by next week's podcast. You set your birthday up. As a Patreon subscriber in our website, we will figure out how to do that and we will let you know how to do it on next week's podcast. We will be doing a uh, a birthday giveaway. Okay. I will, Why would that piss me off? I will personally back the giveaway. You subscribe to our Patreon. You know what? Fuck it. You subscribe to our to our YouTube. Punch your birthday in on our website. When we get this set up, we will come back to you next week and I will have a link set up where you can punch in your birthday and we will have a list of birthdays and I will send you something personally from my wallet on your birthday. Free birthday gift. Free birthday gift on your birthday if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That, yeah, that's awesome. I'm down for that. Wow. Well, that's awesome. That, that's know. cool. You, why you why would change. that piss me off? What the fuck? I was going to do a Patreon thing, but that's, that's <laughs> not even fucking fair. So, no. Anybody that subscribes to our, our YouTube channel, tell your friends, tell your family, whatever. 
we will send you something. It'll be a mystery gift. It'll be a t-shirt, a sticker, a coffee mug, something from our Teespring, something not from our Teespring. I will come up with something. You put your, your birthday in there, and I will get you something the week of your birthday. Guaranteed. Oh, we got two coming up. Charlie Welch and Sir Catsup. So you yeah, get link on we there. will come up we'll talk about it after the show i'm gonna get angela's gonna be on the stream when we do our uh our bloodbath debate after the show and we will come up with a way to punch your birthday in without uh, it'll be your email and your birthday we're not going to spam you or anything but we need your email address and we will we will get it to you Oh, Sir Little Wolf. Now he's mad. That you, thought it mad. Right, you can't right. win. <laughs> Try working with Dale. God damn. No, I'm just can't win. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. okay, okay they're they're, they're fucking All a right, decade ago. Like, it's not. <laughs> okay. And then, and then, of course, and then I left. And then you left. Uh, or did you leave before me? I think you technically left before I did. I think I left before you. I don't know. Exactly, and, then, and now now we're working together again. So, yeah, exactly. So, well, congratulations to our to our trivia winner, uh, Tina Jones, and congratulations to you for picking up the uh, the, the consolation prize. Um, maybe next week, maybe next week we'll have something really really awesome uh, to give away. Uh, thank you everybody for coming out. Uh, fucking amazing. This brings another episode of Week in Horror to a close. Thank every single one of you for listening. We truly hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, be sure to visit us at weekinhorror.net where you can find links to all of our episodes, our bios, our merch store at Teespring, and of course, enter your email for a permanent entry to win a mystery horror shirt every single month. We shoot one of those out there, you never know what you're going to get. It's pretty awesome. And for more horror entertainment, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and we are now on Instagram. Followers get our daily splatter, a little bit of horror info every single day, right to your feed. You never know what you're going to, what we're going to send you. And we really hope that you guys are enjoying the new live format. Despite the pixelation of my camera, we'd love to get your feedback. We know the camera's bad. We'll try and fix it. Subscribe to our channel and smash that fucking bell like a goddamn zombie head for all the latest from our show, like birthday giveaways. And lastly, if you truly love what we do here and you would like and are able to support our production, you can through our PayPal and our Patreon. We have patron tiers as low as a dollar a month. Less than that cup of coffee, less than the monsters I drink every day that I probably shouldn't be. And we have bonus and exclusive content. We have our After Dark We with our industry guests. We have our bloodbath debates. We have the abattoir. We have so much in store. And horror films every month for our mastermind tier subscribers. get I, We send you horror movies every month for free. It's fucking amazing. Links to all of this, including our Discord community, where you can check out film recommendations, watch trailers for the films that we talk about, trivia games, and of course, movies in the theater streamed either by Jessica G, our stream queen, or by myself. And you can interact with us directly. All of those links are down below in the, descript in the uh, description. But we know that these are difficult times. And we are not soon to be out of them. Things are very, very tight. Okay, we know not everybody can support monetarily. As always, simply liking and sharing the show to your local horror community, to the fans, to the friends that you have that love horror, simply liking and sharing the show is the absolute best way to help us continue to grow. It really is. We appreciate each and every single one of you. Why are you guys <laughs> No, no, we were just going along. It's just, just sharing. <laughs> I was making I was making physical movements what to your fuck? words. Yes. You. <laughs> oh, you fuck. <laughs> fucking suck. 
As always, we appreciate each and every one of you for your continued listenership. I'm I am JL. I'm Alex, and I want to give you a bunch of free shit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all next week. And as always, stay scared. 